<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? Obviously, this is a very sad news. Um, you probably heard Brody Stevens, who we're re-releasing today, um, passed away last Friday. Um, devastating news to me um, and to, honestly, the entire comedy community. He was such a staple of the scene, beloved by everybody um, that knew him and everybody that didn't know him. People people say this a lot, that uh, people, comedians are like one of a kind or like a unique voice. Um, Brody is the most one of a kind, the most unique voice um, comedian I've, I've maybe ever seen. There's just nobody else like him. Um, everybody I know does an impression of Brody. That's how clear he was. <laughs> That's how fun it was to slip into his um, stage persona. And the number of times I watched him uh, destroy doing stand-up or uh, warming up numerous TV shows, or just killing it <laughs> in a green room. Um, but he was also a, a sweet-hearted man and a kind soul, and I am definitely, definitely going to miss him, and we all are, and our hearts are broken um, this for this terrible loss. I, I do want to say that they're doing a, um, a benefit show called Enjoy It, Brody Stevens Festival of Friendship. It's going to be at the Comedy Store here in L.A., on March 5th, it will be a night remembering Brody, uh, Brody, excuse me, featuring tons of great comedians and all the proceeds from the show will be going to Brody's family and mental health awareness. Uh, March 5th at the Comedy Store. Tickets at thecomedystore.com. Um, and it, it sounds trite. I don't know what else to say. If you're struggling with um, depression and suicidal thoughts and feelings, please reach out to somebody. Please tell somebody. Um, obviously, you're not alone. People feel this way. Um, and and the, the first step is obviously to, to tell somebody. Um, let people help you and, uh, and love you in that way. I, know, I don't know if that sounds canned. I just, I just want to mention that here. We'll miss you, Brody. Um, this episode, by the way, uh, we talk about depression. It, it was hard to go through again. Um, and we almost didn't want to re-release it because it's hard when... Somebody passes in this way, and we know that they struggled, but um, I, I wanted to honor it as it was. Um, Brody did other episodes. He did live episodes of the podcast and stuff that were lighter, but this was the one-on-one, and those are always the ones that I, that I sort of remember the most. So a warning to listeners that we do talk about depression and um, suicidal thoughts and feelings, um, but this is what it was, and, and I want us, uh, you know, even if it's a small way to remember him as I as I often say in these sad re-releases to, to do it all on the same day um, that we can remember him together um, and if you can make it to the show on March 5th I know that'll be uh, an- another wonderful way to eulogize this great sweet kind-hearted and hilarious uh, man so um, you know as Brody would say enjoy it <laughs> get into it and uh, obviously, no ads or anything to plug. Um, let's just together remember the great man, Brody Stevens. This is where it is. It's, uh, these ceilings are low. Hi. I know you. What's your name again? Katie. Katie, hi. Katie. Yeah. Yes. You got it. Tell me what to do, where to Sit go. Sit in hi. the guest chair. You've been there. Seated, cushioned for your preference. <laughs> Am I going to feel um, claustrophobic? In this room? 
Not that I have issues with that. Is it cold up here? I have an air purifier. Like no. Should be cold. I don't have allergies. No allergies. And um, thank you for having me. I'm here. Great Good to see you. I saw you briefly, actually, real quick at the... Um, what? Over at, by the office. By the office? You, you had, uh, did you audition for that Craig Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you saw me? I saw you walk. I was out. I was in the office, and you just like walked by real quick. You were at where they because sh- it took me a minute to realize that that's where they filmed the office. Yeah. But then all the things, I, you know, I thought it was just like I'm so stupid. I saw all the things that said Dunbar Mifflin, and I was like, these guys must be real big fans. <laughs> and it it was Dunder Mifflin. It was. I need to spin. Spin I, it. I've been having phlegm. Hit it. I, I won't do you the whole time. I want to be. <laughs> I'm not going to just talk like you the whole time, but it's not because I don't want yeah. to. No, I don't know, Brody. I'm honored. I'm honored. I told you, I actually, I'd like you to accept this as a, as a sincere compliment. When I'm going to auditions, like the Craig T. Robinson pilot, uh, not that day, I'll right. be honest with you, but other times when I'm feeling a little bit blue, this is real. I'll do you in the car. Really? And it makes me happy. People like it, I guess. They like, you know... Mimicking it or whatever. It's not even. It's not a mimic. It's, it's not. not a mimic. It's invoking it. Invoking. Good word. I, I'm putting. I'm putting your uh, essence through my blood, and seeing how I feel on the other end. And you know how I feel. <coughs> Better. I got raw chocolate in my cheek. Raw. Yeah. Oh, bro. Chocolate's good for you. Raw chocolate's good for you. Not. Not. These are interesting headphones. What's wrong with them? Nothing's wrong with them. I'm just used to bigger ones. Be honest. I'm used to bigger headphones. <laughs> These headphones are they're like earbuds. But I'll take it. Insert the cans. You got it. Yes. Push. Believe. I, I feel like you would like raw chocolate. Because you and I have talked about nutrition before. Yeah, I'm not. Right now, I'm not eating properly. I should be eating properly. I feel as though that... Uh, you know, I got to get back into fruits. I got to get back into vegetables. Because I remember I texted at you. I said you don't have to eat organic bananas because the pesticides don't get through the skin. Yeah, you said that because I was getting bananas there at Seven Eleven, and I and should. I, they're looking at me these bananas, and they're not expensive. Airport bananas, Seven Eleven banana. I'm like kind of a food snobby person. They're good. They're okay. I'm gonna say they're okay. I mean, is a banana good for you? Yes. Are there? It is a. It's not just filler. It's not iceberg lettuce. It's, no, it has it has a lot of nutrients in it. A banana is great. There, there's such a thing as a fruitarian. People that only eat bananas. Are you serious? That only eat apples. Yeah, I like apples. What about the apples there from Seven Eleven? Those I don't trust so much. Well, now we're getting the. Now look, I'm not an expert, so we're a little out of my depth. Okay. So right off the bat, baseball. Okay. I'm going to tell you that I don't know, but it's my guess that the skin is not thick enough to keep. It doesn't have that protective shell. When I, I went to the Amazon, Brody. You did? I went to the Amazon. And you got I, to go to the offices of Amazon? <laughs> that is cool. It's up in, it's up in Seattle. <laughs> I went to Amazon.com. Yeah. They have actually a big warehouse in Phoenix. I saw a story on it. Is that true? Yeah, it's kind of interesting how they uh, how they have all the products there. I do everything through Amazon. Really? Uh, last thing I got through Amazon, digestive enzymes. Yes. Oh, you, yeah, they have a whole supplement section. Who knew that? Not me. Well, I've known that for years, but I didn't know. And now you got the one click on, on your iPhone, on your iTelephone. You, uh-huh. get, you set it up one click. You click it. 
one time, as the name would suggest, it's on the way. It's on the way. There tomorrow. I like actually reading the vitamins. I know you can read the labels and stuff mm. on I, on the uh, the internet, but I like touching. I like talking. I uh-huh. like like yeah, going to a vitamin shop. For I'm example. with you. Go to go to a local Whole, Whole Foods. Whole Foods is good. Vitamin shop, and then there's some definitely but, some independent places over in Venice, and yeah, people are healthy. It does suck. Amazon is kind of swallow. It does, I don't know if it sucks, but it's swallowing up everything. Because the problem is, is I'll find out what vitamin I like from a nice discussion with a wholesome person in the store. Yes, and then I'll go one click after that. I'll be like, thanks for your help. Betrayed. That I mean, yeah, that's what it, what it's like. You, it is. You go in there and. But you know you're you're a big guy. I'm sorry I cut you off. But I'm just you didn't saying cut me off. as a big person, we're both big persons. Six foot two. Six two. Long torso. You do long have a long neck. torso. Yeah. I, I noticed you... your flexibility. I I'm watching your show. I'm loving it. Okay. I was almost late to this because and I was like, I'm meeting this man. <laughs> but I wanted to keep watching. Yeah. I, I burned through four episodes. Four episodes. Burned. Are... Enjoy it. It's still there somewhere. Unbelievable. So good. So good. I can't. I know it's like a web show. I watch on the HBO Go. Yeah. And its its quality uh, rivals some comedies that have aired on the HBO. I love it. It's so well done. I want to say thank you to that. And <laughs> I really, I really owe uh, full gratitude to the director. Mm. Dean, no spoilers. I'm only four in. Yeah, okay. You just I, went out with Jasmine. <laughs> Is that what? They, yeah, that I was believe it was Jasmine. Jasmine. Um, I thought she was good looking. She was cute. She was cute. We found we, she was a real profile there on what was it? Match.com was it? No, okay, Cupid. Okay, Cupid. <laughs> like to like to venture into uh, some other sites, and yeah, I still get actually. I still get. Uh, you know, I still get messages from OK Cupid from girls. My, Bro, I left the profile up there. I can't imagine, as Zach says on the show, good-looking man, interesting man, like yeah. compelling. And let me say, up top, let's get the compliments out up top. You're one of my absolute favorite performers, and I figured out why. It's because you're the most present performer. You're an inspiration. Me, premium presence. You and I speak differently on stage, but when I was watching you, yeah. and I saw you doing some stuff that I don't think I've seen you do live, we uh, we share that in common. I, I've said to audiences, how dare you? Oh, you have? Yeah. I mean, Howard Stern said, used to say that. What, how know? dare you not laugh? How, no, how dare you? I mean, how dare you not laugh? Oh, yeah, okay. And, and it's, it to another I level. just mean like it's just, you say that. You, I, I watched you say that, and I was like, my God, this is like a page from my book. But I mean that in a brother-like sort of way. Yeah. I felt akin to you. And that's uh, that helped me realize why I think I like you. Oh, okay. I also like me very much. You gotta like yourself. <laughs> Liking yourself, important. So I'm complimenting myself as well. But when I watched you, you said something to the audience that was I, it was it was different words, exact same spirit of what I feel about comedy. You're like, I watch myself every night. Yeah, I remember saying that. It was it was great. It was so good. Yeah, because you are watching yourself every night. You yes. are you are seeing yourself at different shows and getting reactions. Yes. And, and think, then watching the tape. You've seen everything twice. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've seen it twice. I've listened to it. Trust me. Trust me. I get it. They booked <laughs> me on. The, so if you're not laughing at me, you're you're taking it out on the bookers. You're yeah. taking it out on <laughs> the other comedians. Who, Something's wrong. I'm a professional. I got this. Be on the plane. It's landing. Exactly. Just sit there and buckle up. 
It takes him a while sometimes. Like, that's the thing. Like, oh, I'll, I get I'll it. be performing. You know, you'll be at a club maybe or you're yes. bouncing around and you'll do a set and it goes well. Yes. And then literally like five to ten minutes later, you're in a different room doing comedy and the audience is totally like not with you. Brody. Can I say, this is what I'm talking about. When I was watching uh, Enjoy It, uh-huh. it shows you at the comedy store. Okay. And then it shows you at UCB. And UCB's going better. I don't know if it was cut to, sh- to demonstrate how that, that point that yeah. you just made. But it's funny because like, I think there's something interesting about how I think our, our brains probably both light up and we're like, we figured it out. Be present. Be present. Connect with the crowd. Connect. See what they're enjoying. I, I liken it to lovemaking. I've said it many times. You're being attentive to yes. what they like. Fuck, I knew you'd get it. Yes. I knew you'd get it. They're making these involuntary pleasure sounds, and you're seeing what they like and what they don't like. And you're even playing with the idea. Not, I don't do this in sex necessarily, but you're playing with the idea of what they didn't like and drawing attention to that and be like, noticed you didn't. I lost you there. It's fine. But you're, you're present. It's the most beautiful thing a lover or a comedian can be. Yes. And so then I think I figured it out. And I believe you, you've – I know you've had moments where you're like, I got this. I figured this out. Then I go to the improv last night. I love the improv. It's, uh-huh. it's like my home club. Melrose. Melrose Improv. You got it. Can't find him. Can't find him. Every once in a while, just like a, a lover. Right. You just can't find him. You're trying all your things. You mean you have trouble at the improv sometimes? No, or I, you were? I'm saying nine times out of ten, I love the improv. Yeah. Last night, no, I think it was my fault. I think it was the, literally, I'm not just saying this because you're here. I think it was the energy uh-huh. that I was coming up with. You were, okay. Something happened that kind of irked me personally. Okay. Which is why I got to make an argument for keeping your personal life as simple as possible if you're going to be an artist. Cause oh, yeah. Right? Well, speak to that because I won't forget what I'm, my point. I mean, I keep my life fairly simple, structure, I like getting coffee every day, yeah, trying to exercise, I have a to-do list. And a routine. I saw I, the I bike, tried, yeah. the exercise. Yeah, I mean, I try to do a routine. I'm not, you know, not always on it. Obviously, when you're traveling, you can't be on that routine as, as, sure. as well as you'd like to be. But for me, it's about, yeah, structure, keeping the drama down. I'm better. Keeping know, the drama down. I mean, I, I I guess a comedian, like, you know, there's a lot of comedians who, like, live the day and they get angry. What makes them angry? What makes them feel good? And right. And can talk about that at night or write about it. Yes. But me, like, during the day, I just like to keep my... What I've learned is, like, my stress levels down. Yes. Especially, like, when I was doing warm-up in the afternoons quite a bit, I'd be have to be there at 2 o'clock. So it was, like, really, like, I would have to get up, do my coffee, like, just... Keep it mellow. You don't want... I'm so with you. Uh, somebody likened it to... Somebody told me that they saw Conan um, in battery charging mode. Because he's like a very on guy. And then yes. he goes out and he delivers. Yes. And then when he's off stage, sometimes he's going to be going through what I hear you explaining. Coffee. Quiet. Oh, you need it. Take a moment to kind of think about the day. that You know, just, just unpack it a little bit. I mean, people think that I'm always on, like... I go and order coffee. Yes, I'll take a large venti. You got it. Leave room for milk and, and Splenda. <laughs> but I don't do that. Yeah, I'm actually, of course not. I'm actually, uh, and I've always been this way. I'm kind of shy in public, and I'm oh. very loud. I'm, I'm kind of like keep to myself. Yes. Can I pay you a compliment? It's it's an, another one. Is that there are people that I go to as my always-on people. Uh-huh. And comedians love making fun of the always-ons. Yes. Something the always-ons don't know <laughs> is, is, is sometimes. I like to do it to their face, but for the most part, like there's a couple names that are references that you go like, what am I, always-on? I'm, I'm not blah, blah, blah. Nobody ever says Brody. Right. Nobody no. thinks that. And thank you. And I'm, I'm glad for that. Yeah. I, 
And I, I used to hear that. I remember when I was in New York, if somebody didn't know me, and also, I mean, I'm more, I'm more mature now, more, you know, my uh, more developed. And mm. I remember a couple of people say, "You're always on. You're always on." And but I they, like, I wasn't trying to be on. They also don't understand what's happened in your persona and the way that you speak and stuff is that like I, I laugh at things you say off stage just because it's it's you. Uh-huh. And that, and that's a great thing. If we're all comedian minors and we're going into the mind trying to figure something out, it's a it's real pay dirt to go like, I found a way of talking and being that people will just respond to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that and that that's that's some real stuff. I mean and they like it. Like I I mean I'm friendly with the staff, like where I get coffee every day, for example. They sure. all know me and uh <laughs> they think I'm funny. I'm not yeah. trying to be funny, but right. I talk to them and right. you know, I'll do little little things, but definitely I, very mellow. I actually think that goes back to presence. I really do. I think I think that that's something that you correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like even when you're getting coffee in this moment and in life and whenever I've seen you present. So if you go and get your coffee and you're present and you acknowledge that there's a person serving you the coffee and you actually have sorry to keep saying presence. I can't think of any synonyms. If you have the presence of mind to just know that you're the needles right on the record and you're in that moment, you're getting the coffee and Mm -hmm. why not? Why not have a little happiness with your coffee? Give them a smile. Give them a little, you know, just like. The, the, the thing at this particular coffee house, they know you. But even if it was a stranger, I'd sure. still smile and say thank you. Yeah. But definitely, an, I, I'm not one of those guys who are on and loud. I mean, I've been loud before. Mm. I mean, sometimes I could have a loud voice. But yeah. for the most part, especially, like they say, the last couple of years, I've mellowed out a little bit. And yeah. just, it's more of like a belief in myself and yes. finding what works for me. And I, I think a lot of the being present. Was from doing audience warm up. I did so many Back audience warm up gigs. I've yes. done like over two thousand, and you get an audience in there, and it's a you know it's a one hour show, and it's a three hour taping. You have to be honest with them, kind of. You got to be honest. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of like not white lie, but p- pump them up, talk to them, and I think I learned a lot of that. That really helped me the good, being in the moment. The good warm up is the guy that's like, I'm going to level with you. You know what I mean? He's like, look, it's going to take a little time. Something broke. We're right. going to get through it. I'm here with you. I'm not taking a break. These guys are yeah. eating sandwiches and drinking. I'm here with you. Right. But that's what a good comedian should do. It's like, that, you know, the idea that this is our show together. Would you join me? Would you peanut butter my jelly right now? Would you please? <laughs> please be with me right now because it's not warm. But, you know, I've done a little bit of warm-up, too, and I think that helped me as well. But, you know, most warm-ups, and I know I'm going to make this point for you so you don't even have to make okay. this point, is I've seen you do warm-up, and you're, you're the coveted guy. You're the you're – the, I, I don't – like Jimmy Pardo was saving his pilot. We don't want to fuck it up. Brody. Get you in, Brody. It. You Yes. Showing up. They're early. Call times. Doesn't touch the fruit plate. Leave it for others. That's right. <laughs> the joke I wrote for you, half marathon, ran it twice. I like yes. that. Yes. <laughs> Malibu 10K. Swim. <laughs> but that idea, I, I, oh, you don't do, it's not t-shirts and candy and trivia. Oh, no. You do Brody. I do me. You know, I do have a rule that if it is a taping that's going to go over two hours, if I know it's a long taping, and I kind of stay away from those now. Sure. I, mean, I like to do Comedy Central shows. Shows where I know people on it, like friends with the comedians or mm-hmm. producers or what have you. Um, but if the show is long, yes, candy. When I was doing Best Damn Sports Show on Fox Sports, that was, you know, we were like, typically it was a three-hour show. And I had right. a lot of high school students. Yes. You do have to pass out candy. Absolutely. And But when I was working at Chelsea, for example, um, 
half hour show pretty much to time and it's I felt like I'm not giving out candy. I'm not giving out gifts. I'm mm-hmm. not going to cheapen the show. Right. Number one, they didn't need it. Right. You know, they weren't hungry. They would take candy. <laughs> Believe me, if you have candy, an audience will take it. Or pizza. I've seen it. Yeah, pizza also. <laughs> Any type of giveaway. But I, my, my feeling at nuts. Chelsea, I feel I, I just felt it was a solid show. If I respect the show, yeah. it's like, you know, the burn with Jeff Ross or tonight with Anthony Jeselnik. I'm not going to pass out candy this right is, you're seeing a, a professional show right. whereas if you went out you'd be paying 20 bucks plus drinks or what have you so i feel like you're getting a live quality show right thank you for being here you matter you're not seat fillers right but i won't even bring up candy or anything and it's you know it's an hour and a half taping for yeah that one, so yeah it's yeah not too bad i i did i uh, warm up for the daily show and that's how it was just it was just 15 to t- 25 minutes one time it was like 30 i'll never forget the time it was 35 minutes oh, i was wow. like are they are we doing a show today? Yeah. <laughs> like I kept waiting for they'll them. Leave you out there. Yeah, they'll leave them out there, and then uh, that. But that's that's that valuable lesson and the trauma of. So okay, for those of you who don't know, uh, I'm sure everybody knows. But warm up is you go out before the TV show. Yes. So a guy comes out, and there's two ways of, of going about it. There are the guys that do more of the throwing T-shirts. Nothing against them. Nothing against those guys. And then there's guys that uh, are like us, and we're trying to just do our acts basically and, and crowd work. Yes. What you would know is crowd work. I never went out and was just like, so I'm from New York. I never did that. But if a bit came up, do it. Do it. Work it in. Work it in. Seamless. How do you think of it? You ever get, I'm sure you do. People come up and say, you know, I saw Chelsea lately. All I remember is you. Uh, I get that sometimes, but not, I mean, I would get it more on Twitter. I'm not getting people come to me sure. on the street and go, I, I watch Chelsea. I see you on it. And. You know, focus on you. You're the main reason. <laughs> I just think. I mean, I get that on Twitter. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, certain shows that maybe my audience doesn't necessarily watch, but they'll go, I'll watch it because of you. Right. Kind of thing. But the, bo- the bond between a good warm up and the audience can be like a little bit of a mini friendship, especially if it is over a couple hours. So the taping is almost secondary. It's like, remember that time we saw that guy? <laughs> oh, I mean, I get that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, oh, I, I mean, I get that too. Yeah. yeah. Like from, from, yeah, warm up exactly. Like yeah. I'll get people who go like. Oh, you yeah. meant when you were answering when you're on roundtable? Yeah, I mean, I see. I mean, I'll get people who will see me do warm up and they'll say, you know, the show is great, but we love Brody. Right. I get that once in a while. Yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. You know, when you're doing warm up, you're not the star of the show. Right. You, you know, you're not supposed to be funnier than, and not that I am or I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. Then who's on stage? You just want to you want to make them look better. You want to sure. have fun. Just create that energy. Like I like doing the shows with the comedians because I try to create that club energy. These are comedians; they want the live energy, right? You know, and right. so let's let's make it like that. Right. And find those jokes. Laugh at the jokes. Right. Be supportive. Even early on, you know, just laugh like it's contagious. What do you speaking of contagious? What do you think? What do you think is going on? Me in my car going, yes, energy. Yes, what, push, believe, you got it. What is it about our brains that that works? I'm, a, again, another thing we have in common, I don't necessarily do it overtly, but sometimes I do do it overtly when I'm doing stand-up. I'll tell the crowd, this is it. This is happening. We're going to, like, I'm on your side. Mm-hmm. Let's enjoy it. Let's. This is our lives. I try and make them present. Right. This is happening. And I, I like saying, if you have a laugh, you've been saving. This is my last <laughs> joke. Right. Use it now. The show's over. It's almost done. I, now I'm talking like you on purpose. But you know what I mean. Like, what is it about? What have? What is it that you've tapped into that audiences and yourself 
when you go, I don't really feel it, and you go, energy, push, positivity. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I did. I taped my special recently in Boston, my half-hour Comedy Central special. And I happened to go on uh, third, same audience they use. Like most of the nights, they were doing two two comedians, mm-hmm. flip, sh- switch out the audience. And then I heard do there were some shenanigans this, this time around. Yeah, not, I mean, not, I, not from you. I, I won't make you right. say that on the record. But I've heard from other comedians that they were stretching the audiences a little thin. Yeah, that may have been the case. I kind of like, yeah, distanced myself from that. And on my night, I was doing it with uh, Baron Vaughn and Christella. Forgive me if I forget her. She's funny. So anyway, there was, th- I was the third comedian, and it was like, I had yeah, the audience was a little tired. I mm-hmm. went on at eleven. Most mm-hmm. most of the nights were two and two. Mm-hmm. Four comedians. I was doing five. So there, and also my voice was going, which was another thing. Yeah, my voice was going because I had been doing these interviews all week. But there was times where. I'm doing the special. My voice was going, and I had to stop down. I go, I got to get water. So I got water. You know, my water. Yes. And I said, All right, guys, uh, give me some energy. Give me some clapping. Boom, 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 clapping. Boom, back in. And like I told, and then there was another time where I had to get water. I go, Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, give me a laugh, 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 laugh. Boom. All right, back in. So I kind of like had to do my own warm up yeah, a little bit. Yeah. For that, because I, I see it like by doing these shows, um, like doing warm up, for example, like, yeah, just doing warm up and seeing that where they go, all right, crowd, give us some energy yeah, yeah. back in. Yeah, yeah. So I know those little tricks on how to, yeah, keep an audience engaged and kind of conduct them a little bit. Conduct is perfect. Brian Regan said that audiences are like instruments and comedians are like musicians. And oh, I like that. Isn't, I, that. isn't that great? I like that. Uh, that's a good, that's a good visual. Good, yeah. Uh, but I also think it changes people's brain chemistry. I really do. When I say to you, Brody, we're having a great interview. Mm-hmm. We're both. There's a part of us that's just stupid mammals, and we just want those pesticide-free bananas. You know what I mean? I, we're brilliant, but we're also simple. And I say, this is a great interview. It's going amazing. You know what I mean? Like, just that kind of opens my brain up a little bit. Yeah. And makes me feel Feels good. good. So when I say positive energy, when people pray... Heavenly Father, uh-huh. when we have these words and these touchstones in our lives, I know I just compared comedy to like a sacred. And then you said prayer. touchstones. That's a movie company. <laughs> when the, we have these castle rocks that we can go back to, <laughs> is uh, I just think it's interesting that you. I think that is something that you've tapped into. When you say positive energy, it's it's right behind right behind the words is a little bump of positive energy. Yeah, you know. I, I picked that up. I learned about it in college. You know, when I was in high school, I never felt that I was. I felt awkward. I felt dorkish. I'm sure a lot of people felt that way. But I was on the baseball team, and I was mm-hmm. a decent player, and not a star, but good enough. Good arm. Good arm. Competitive. I'll give you give you a solid outing when I was the the starting pitcher, and then I went to college at Arizona State. Does, I'm sorry that that means first couple innings. I don't know what that means. A solid outing. Yeah. I want to learn. Um, if you're a pitcher and you give them a solid outing, let's say it's a seven-inning game, you're going to go five or six innings okay. every time. And then they bring in a closer. Yeah, like okay. in, in Major League Baseball, that would be yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, something of that nature. But in high school, and that's funny to say, like, I'm like a fifth starter. I'm going to give you innings. Like in high school, <laughs> most pitchers pitch a complete game and they dominate. And right. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm saying, look, I'm a 500 pitcher. I'm, I'm going to keep you in the game. I may not win the game, yeah. but I will 
keep you in the game. You won't lose the game. Right. In high school, that's not like necessarily a great trait. In Major League Baseball, you make millions of dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, I was in... Uh, you know, I was liked in, in high school. People liked having um, having me around, I suppose. And then when I went to college, uh, we had I went to Arizona State, and we had a lot of uh, mental visualization and meditation. We, uh-huh. we would actually have classes on that. Where we, they would bring in for the sports team, for the baseball team. Interesting. Yeah. And these guys, there's not there's not that many of them. I mean, I'm sure there's more now, but at the time, there's only a handful of these. The mental side of baseball. Harvey Dorfman was a guy. He worked with the Oakland A's and all these other teams. And then he passed away recently. And then Ken Ravizi worked with the Angels. And it's about, you know, baseball is very mental mm-hmm. and words matter. And I couldn't totally get into the time like closing the eyes and meditate, get into a meditative state. But what I picked up was the positive words. You don't want to put negative imagery mm-hmm. into your head. It's like instead of saying, don't strike out. You know, don't so funny. You know, don't do this. Say, yes. Get on base. Uh, po- keep it positive. Keep it positive. All positive. Base hit. Yeah, like we would run. Connect. Connect. Push. You got it. Connect. Ping. Catch. <laughs> throw. Round the base. Slide. <laughs> but we would have running. Like they would. The coaches would make us run. The pitchers, for example. Yes. And it wasn't a punishment, but it was to make you tougher and uh, you know. He stay in shape, but nobody really loves running. I mean, there are a few. Yeah. So we would run, and he says, okay, we're going to do the Mill Avenue run. And it's like, oh. So I made it, like, fun. We would have, like, 10, 15 pitchers. I go, Mill Thrill, let's do it. Yes. <laughs> so I did that, and then there was another one, Hardy. Okay, we're going to run to Hardy. I go, Hardy Party. Yes. Yes. And then there was Priest. I, and I named him, like, Priest Feast, Hardy Party, Mill Thrill. So it made it fun, and I went, yeah. and I was like, most guys got it, some didn't, but it was like positive energy. I don't, I don't know if I was saying positive energy necessarily at that point, but right. it was positive talk, like mind games. It, right. it worked for me, and I worked for most people, and we had a successful program for the most part. And then that's kind of where it started. And then when I went up to Seattle after college, I was around some people that were non-athletes. You know, I was in that jock world for so long. Right. When I started getting around comedians... I was able to, you know, combine the two, the mm-hmm. positivity, and then when I was doing warm up, it just like all meshed together because I was doing warm up for a sports show. I played sports, mm-hmm. mental game, keep them here for the warm up. I just really mm-hmm. cut my teeth there. It all came together. Right. You also realize. I think you realize. I, I look at you as kind of like a transparent comedian. When you go. Uh, hangover, hangover two, due date, cut out of funny, funny people. people. When you do that, there's something kind of like uh, vulnerable about that in in a, in a cool way. Is that like a lot of comedians would like to just tell you what they've been in, even if right. it's like a joke. But there is a part of us that you're saying, isn't it funny? <laughs> isn't it funny to kind of peel back the layers and let you see? This side that I know is kind of in everybody. They're, they're, they want to get up there and say it. Yeah. I was in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got an album. And everybody, everybody wants to do it. Every every guy who's not in show business wants to be like, I drive a C class or whatever it is. Yes, my wife is hot or whatever. And that's an element to it. So, and then you found a way to like do it, and it it, uh, it like knocks people on their heels again. You have the ultra presence, and then you have this like kind of vulnerable overshare. I don't even if it's an overshare, but it's like a... Well, I mean, with the... Saying the credits, I always feel a couple things with that is, you know, credits matter. People treat you differently when when you have a certain 
certain credits. Well, that was on the show. The cops let you go because you told them your credits. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was in the hangover. I hosted TMZ. I'm a good guy. <laughs> Why would I want to hurt myself? Why would I want to hurt anybody? I'm and happy. it worked. And it worked. They let me go twice. <laughs> Third time, no good. We'll get to that. Strap again. you down. You're away. Yeah. But um, <laughs> you're away. <laughs> um, <laughs> Was it all the, uh, we were the, talking about uh, the credits, the, the, the vulnerability of, of allowing like a, a, a gauche part of yourself show. I mean, I also think that's kind of like I tie that into them not laughing. You're not laughing? Well, they yes. put me in the hangover. Yes. The direct, you're telling me you know more about comedy right. than Todd but Phillips. Isn't that, some, isn't that going back a little bit to the mental game of baseball? Is, when I was in left field, which is where they put the bad people. They usually put them in right, right field. field. When I was in right field, I was okay. in right field. I was left-handed. I'm losing everything. So I'm in right field because uh-huh. I'm bad. And I used to think exactly what you shouldn't think, which is don't hit it to me. And then there's the equivalent, which is when you're on stage, you forget. Can I tell you something weird? Sure. That's what the The, the name the of the show. podcast is, Did, yes. You, do you make it weird? You made it weird. You made it weird. Past tense. Cause, My bad. But, no, no, because when we're making it weird right now, but then at the end, it'll be you made it weird because it'll gotcha. be in the past. <laughs> That's how time works. One of the weirdest things, TJ Miller. Know him. Friends with him. You got it. Extract. Cloverfield. Movies. <laughs> Yogi Bear. Seeking a friend for the end of the world. And something else. Oh, she's, she's out of my hot. league. She's out of my league. Yes, and others. I uh, how to train my dragon. <laughs> how to train your dragon? I called TJ. Called me, and he was going on the David Letterman show. He's doing a panel. Oh, really? Yeah, this was a long time ago. For panel for promoting Yogi Bear or something like that. Uh, I think it was Cloverfield. Oh, wow! This is a long time ago. Good for him. Yeah, isn't that nice? So he calls me, and he said, and he's, and I've never, and you know what? To his credit, TJ Nervous still looks like most comedians, like firing on all cylinders. Uh-huh. He wasn't like breaking down or anything. He was just like, "Yeah, man, I'm just, got, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm thinking about what I could do and like the different things for Denver, you know." So he's, he's just kind it's of good TJ. You know, it, it wasn't bad. It wasn't my best TJ, but thank you very much. I really like that. So I, I'm talking to him, and my advice to him was, "You're TJ Miller." So what I'm saying to you is I employ that same strategy to me, which is when you're doing your credits. I was in The Hangover. I'm booked on this show. I'm a professional. I do this every night. These sorts of things are a remembrance of who we are. So when I'm going out, I literally – like if I I have moments. I have real dips. I'm a very – people who listen to the show, grotesquely confident. It's gross. It's like a hurricane. Nothing can stop them. Then catch me – Sometimes in the evening, it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You'll catch me like the other night at the improv, uh-huh. not feeling it. Not feeling it. What helps in that moment is going, you're T.J. Miller. I don't say I'm T.J. Miller. I say, you're Pete Holmes. There's a remembrance. There's, a, there's an honoring of who you are and where you've come from. I know I'm making it kind of lofty, but I'm just saying, you're this guy. And the weird thing that I was going to admit to you was, you get to be this guy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I look in the mirror and I go, you get to be this guy. That's a good feeling. It's a great feeling. And you're not supposed to talk like that. Like, people are turned off when I tell them things. Like, I don't often tell them things like that. I do it on right. the podcast, which yeah. tens of thousands of people listen to. Right. But it's true. You look in the mirror. It's not a show business thing. It's not a television thing. It's not a stand-up thing. It's you get to be this guy. Put the goddamn needle on the record. You were in the hangover. Go out there. Speaking part. 
improvised. Yes. You know Get what? it. Walked in. That. <laughs> Nailed it. R-D-J. Due date. <laughs> so there's a thing about getting yourself into a little bit of a five iron frenzy. It, getting yourself into a frenzy. I don't know why I quoted the ska band just then. Getting yourself to remember the truth, which is you're Brody, you're a talented performer, and you're going to go out and do – it's like psyching yourself up exactly like a baseball game. Well, I'll tell you what. Yes, I, I do handle it somewhat like that. Um I'll tell you what, there, uh, like, I, I just did Boston. Yes, I did, I did, my uh, hometown. I did, okay, great I saw town. You're fucking hilarious on Instagram, by the way. Oh, I didn't you. know this was going to be such a bread-buttering session, but I'll I guess take I'm it. excited to I'll have you on the it. show. You, you're really redefining Instagram. But <laughs> Steve Agee is to Vine as Brody is to uh, Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I've been told. I'm working on my Vines. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't do it. Um, you know, I did Boston, right? You know, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, like, I have... Uh, I'm hard on myself. You know, I have confidence and issues. And, you know, I, I, I'm a regular at the Laugh Factory. I'm a regular at the Comedy Store. I'm a, a regular at the at the, at the, um, the improv. Yeah. And I still, there's still mental hurdles that I have not um, gotten over. One of them would be, say, performing at the Laugh Factory, packed house, Friday night. 11 o'clock i would be like that would that would bother me all day thinking about that mm-hmm, the laugh factor mm-hmm. if i had a spot say we'll say the same thing 11 o'clock um in a packed original room at the comedy store or a saturday night saturday night packed main room with 300 people that that's a mental hurdle mm-hmm. improv for some reason i feel very comfortable in there with it being packed but i went and did you know, I went and did my special in Boston, and you gotta like, you have to go for it. You can't say mm-hmm. like, "Well, I haven't performed in front of four hundred people for a long time and with cameras, with with cameras, or what have you." And I just like, I went for it. I did it, and it went well. And there was, like I said, three hundred fifty-four people there. Then I come back here, and I went. I performed at the uh, Laugh Factory, basically my first set since, since. I've been back a couple days ago. And I went up, and it, and it was fairly packed room, and I but I just felt. In control, it didn't bother me. It's yeah. like wow. I think I, I think it's yeah. Doing certain things, get those, those certain little notches on your belt, give you that 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 confidence. I think it's weird. It's so weird for you to say this because I was just talking about this in therapy, and then I had dinner with Zach Kreger, and uh, he told me he was. We had the same therapist, and he mm-hmm. was talking about it. I, he wouldn't mind me saying uh, in therapy as well is the idea that. Um, here, here's things that you'll enjoy. I haven't been haven't been drinking. Been doing yoga every day. Eating right. Yeah. Going to bed early. Yeah. Sleeping well. Soundly. Yes. I like when I drink. I wake up and my shoulders all fucked up because drunk Pete loves to sleep like the number four on his, <laughs> on his stomach. <laughs> so anyway, sober Pete, great at sleeping. Yes. Um, why? Why? Because my pilot got picked up. Because feeling uh, good. Feeling good. So what do I talk about in therapy? What you just said. Our happiness being contingent on these external circumstances. Which shouldn't be. Which shouldn't be. I told Dr. Gary Penn, my therapist, I said, that's something you would do. But I do that every time. Dr. Gary Penn. Something you're supposed to be private about. But I'm like, that's my therapist. (laughs) Dr. Gary Penn, get his book now. Uh, I told him, I was like, I wish I was a perpetual motion machine that could just generate uh, my own confidence and enthusiasm and happiness. And I am a, a little bit. It doesn't keep... All the lights on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you can read by it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I want 
I want to be the goddamn sun. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And when we have our half hours, when we do well in Boston, and we and we go out and we're the third half hour of the night and a warm up and pauses in between and your voice is going out and you need some water and it, you still you hit a knuckleball. You yeah, like, I like, like that. that. I like, like that, that reference. Yeah. I, I just watched a movie about knuckleballers. So I'm proud of myself. <laughs> you hit that knuckleball, next time you're at the laugh factory, your dick's a little bigger. Your chest is a little bigger. It wider. really is. Yeah. What can we do? We can be aware of it. I mean, because there's no there's Again, it's a half hour. It's Comedy Central. It's not a, a career make or anything like that. But it is a notch. It is something. I'll tell you who it was for. Dane Cook. Dane I think. Cook. Yeah, like, I, you could. I remember that, and he like took his shirt off. Yeah. He's running in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Well, he never had a shirt on. He came up basically. He came out in a tank top. Oh. But he said in an interview, "I just know you'll appreciate this because this is positive energy. This is like forward thinking, visualization." He said, "I got to remember to ask him about this." That's me writing that down. Notes. Notes. Write it down. Can't remember everything. (laughs) Dane said he planned on his entire career uh, basically lighting the fuse of his career. So he's stacking ammo. He's stacking all these fireworks. This is my analogy. And the fuse being lit was going to be his half hour. And it was. He did it. Like he waited until he knew he had the 30 minutes and destroyed yeah, and that's kind of like my thing. Without a shirt on. Was, um, you know, I did Premium Blend, which was their Gotham, their I did it too, it yes. Is. Yeah, I did it back in 1999 or 2000. Yes. I think I taped it in, well, e- either way, it was 2000. And, I, I mean, I'm coming back, that's the year 2000. I had done some stand-up on TV here and there on some talk shows, but, you know, you're only doing five, six minutes or what have you. I haven't done a half hour you know, taping of any any form for the mm-hmm, most part. Mm-hmm. But I just kept obviously I'm doing my comedy, I'm doing I'm building up. Even if even I'm doing these fifteen minute sets or and doing an hour or two, going on the road or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Just building it up. And I had thirteen years essentially to build this all up and then like you know, chisel it, hone it. I actually was very comfortable and confident, and I'm not. I, I, I'm yeah. not saying I felt like I cheated the system. Yep. Because they did ask me about doing a half hour, you know, five and six years ago. Why don't you submit a tape? Do this, do that. I just, sure. I just was not in that that frame of mind. I was doing warm up. I was making a couple dollars doing that. I was happy, and I just didn't want to. I didn't feel like I had a strong half hour, or I didn't want to go through the process of making a tape or anything yes, like that. Yeah. Well, isn't there's nothing worse than the than the fucking Frodo journey of making a tape? Yeah, go make a tape. Like that's so easy. No, and and this one I didn't get. I, I didn't have a tape for this one. Of I just course. gave him jokes. Same thing with Conan. What do you mean? I just gave him my set list, like a transcript. A transcript. You yeah. wrote them out. Yeah, just to kind of like, I mean, not word for word, but I kind of like because they saw you live. Well, they had say had seen me live. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Jordy, uh, Jordan Elner, and uh, you know Gary Mann. All those guys have seen me live, but they haven't necessarily seen me do a whole half hour live. And I just, I kind of got it on. Again, energy, letting it happen, not forcing it, let them come to me. I knew I was doing warm-up at the burn. I knew I was doing warm-up at Jezelnik, so I was around them. Everyone knew about you. Yeah, and it I became knew, undeniable. Right, exactly. Undeniable. That's a word I like to I kinda like I want to get that more into my vernacular is yeah. undeniable. Because there's something about that when you really believe and believe in yourself and undeniable, you put the time in and you're just feeling 
comfortable and confident. I think a big thing for me, it's a little off track here, is uh, I mean, I just I, I don't go into that red zone with the audience anymore. Even with warm up, I would kind of like if somebody wasn't clapping or slouching, it would bother me, and mm-hmm. I would sometimes focus on them, especially mm-hmm. if it was like not a rocking crowd and I always feel oh it's like that guy and then say, now when I'm doing my shows in the audience a lot of times they'd walk away is he mad is he is it real I'm scared is it is it this it was right. interesting right. to watch right now especially the last couple of years I've learned to not scare the audience so much like they know uh, it's it's not really angry right. it's not angry I'm not scaring the audience right and I just learned that from becoming a little more mature and then also I think Doing all these shows at Chelsea, I'm a big guy. I, you know, I'm dark hair. And I was just gonna say you're highlighted with these dark lines, dark, are, features, yeah, dark yeah. features, yeah. And you're working at Chelsea, and you got these young Aryan <laughs> Christian girls from Arizona and San Diego coming up. So really, that taught me to soften my edges. Yes, and then also I think just with maturity and maybe uh, I mean we may or may not talk about this different medications or different chemicals sure. in my body is kind of. Help me become more mellow and connecting with an audience. It's good. I hate to say this, but for as much as this is an art that I, I truly believe this is an art, there's also the business side to it. And what I hear, oh. I'm not even talking about show business. <laughs> I'm not. I, I know why you're sighing, but what I think you just did there was what I would call good business because I've known people that um, won't work. They know the crowd is uh, all old ladies. Uh-huh. But it's like, fuck it. I'm doing my jizz on your face till it looks like you have a Santa beard closer. <laughs> You're going to do that. Wow. I'm going to do it. I, I don't have that. Oh. <laughs> but you do it and you're just not – look, yes, you are an artist and that's your prerogative. Or you could realize these are young Christian girls from – Aryan Christian girls from Aryan Santa Christian. Barbara that you need to soften a little bit. You take – the note before anyone gives it to you and you diagnose, you run diagnostics on your own set and you go, what is keeping me from connecting to this crowd and, and doing this out and walking off in the way that I want to feel when I walk off? And you could either, unfortunately in this business, I don't think too many people are going to go, could you soften? They'll just fire you. Yeah. Um, that's a real, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that happened to me. I, I, I mean, I've been fired from a couple gigs, maybe a handful of gigs. Mm. I'm talking audience warm-up. Um, for example, I worked on Zach Galifianakis' show. He had that talk show on VH1, yes. Late World with Zach. I'd been doing audience warm-up already for a year or so at Fox Sports Best Damn Sports Show. So I was doing warm-up over there, and that was in the afternoons or whatever. And then, you know, I was friends with Zach. And then Zach got the show on VH1, and he said, I want you to come in and do warm-up. So I came in, and I... I did the test show, and I think I think I made I think I did a couple test shows, and and I'll say his name, Fred Graver, who is the uh, executive producer of uh, Best Week Ever, and now the Travel Channel. Yes. Anyway, so I did warm up right. Most of the audience I recognized because they would be coming to the Best Damn Sport. They were at that show. Some of them were paid. You know, Zach mm-hmm. was just getting started. Mm-hmm. So I do the warm-up, and I'm doing my thing. I'm kind of doing warm-up for Zach and for the writers who knew me, Joe Wagner and Tom Sharp and Karen Kilgariff. And mm-hmm. I think she was writing there. Yeah, she was one of the, the top writers there. So Tommy Blotcha. And I was doing my thing, and then a couple days later, I got a phone call from my manager, and he goes, uh yeah, you they're not going to bring you back. I go what? He says yeah they uh 
Fred Graver thought you scared the audience. I go, scare the audience? I mean, I, I know these audience members. I've been doing shows with them for a year. Right. He goes, well, uh, you know, I go, is this a joke? He goes, no. And they're like, really? It bummed me out. It bothered me. Now, I was still doing warm-up at Best Damn Sports, but I couldn't believe that I got fired from a show that Zach hired me on, my friend, <laughs> yeah. who probably didn't have a lot of influence maybe so much at that time or, right. or you know, power decision-making. Right. It really bummed me out coming from a baseball world because you'd think they would give you a note. Like, you know, you're not going to get cut from – you make one mistake and they cut you. Yeah. You know, your guy's going to yeah. say, all right, don't do this, yeah. work on this. I'm, okay. So I came from that world, and for this guy to fire me without giving me a note, yes. like Brody. Can I? Yeah. Go ahead, keep going. And to, I'm not mad over that. Sure. At, at this, at, I mean, it could get me going. It, would make, it can make me angry if yeah. I think about it. But that was an example of being fired without giving a note, and that was a real crappy thing I, I, I feel i can't believe the uh, coincidence here first of all i i i uh i know fred and i like him very very much okay. i did best week ever and that show was notorious for uh, it was a very stressful time because when you're doing that show it's every week best week ever right best week <laughs> daily ever. show is also daily by the way so if you do it uh you get a call on monday and they book you for wednesday or friday or whatever mm-hmm uh, but you would always wonder if they're going to call because the way you got fired on that show was you just didn't get a call. So there was no – it was another no-note situation. And it was and it was really, really difficult. For all, other comedians involved? All the performers. It was difficult for me. There were two levels of stress on that show. You'd watch the show wondering if you were cut out. Yeah. And two, you'd wonder if you get a call on Monday. Uh, Norman Baker, the talent booker at Best Week Ever, actually called me and was like, look, I know you know that they never call people, but I'm calling you because he's a sweetheart. Right. He was like, I'm, I'm letting you know that they're not bringing you back. I just don't want you to worry. And I was like, you've just done something incredible. I, I, I wasn't even upset. I was just like. But why, is... why were they not bringing you back? I, you... I still don't know. Too fat in the face. <laughs> I mean, do you think it was know. something you like or they just want to get different people in? It or... could be. You know. Th- you know, now having been in a position where I've, uh, you know, done some casting for things that I and sometimes or, or been in a writer's room where we're casting or getting rid of somebody. Yeah. You see that sometimes it's not a reason. It's not always a reason that you want to tell them. Uh-huh. Like you're testing and uh, like you want to talk about your dark features. Your dark features, something you can't change, terrify 12 to 13 year old girls in Minneapolis. OK. And then they're like, well, get rid of them. That's our huge market. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to call you and be like, it's your face and hang up. You know what I mean? So when that happens to me, I always assume it's something out of my control. I'd like to think that if it was like your jokes aren't quick enough or, or you're not uh, smiling enough, they could tell you that. Yeah. So in, in my interpretation of how I was, quote unquote, fired from Best Week Ever, I think it was because of something that I wasn't appealing in some physical way. Are you serious? That's, that's my... I, I, I didn't know that, but I, mean, I just realized But this that. is comedy. That's the whole... I mean, I always felt... What I've learned when I, when I got into comedy, I learned that it doesn't matter what you look like. In fact, being... Right. Different is good. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So maybe it was you had a couple bad jokes. No. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it, maybe that's better. Maybe it's better because then it's not my face. I, I don't think I'd – you know, that would kind of stress me out a little bit, not knowing and not yeah. getting the call. I would like to have, but yeah, I, that's also part of growing up, and it makes you, you know, more – not hardened, but right. – it's a wake-up call. This right. is a business. You are the only comedian with muscles. <laughs> Am I? No, there's guys. The only guy right. I like. Okay. There you go. <laughs> it is. It is. You know. You mentioned competition. 
Um, there's something that I know, something that always turned me off about sports, and everybody that's listened to the show knows that this is like one of my points about sports. Okay. One of the reasons I wasn't good at it, uh-huh. and one of the reasons I remain not very good at, I like the acting element of poker, uh, but even that, I'm, I'm not good, I, I have a hard time humiliating people. And uh, I've quoted this thousands of times on the show, uh, which means every episode ten times. <laughs> okay. Um, Garrison Keillor has this great story about pitchers, and he's like, a good pitcher has to want to humiliate the batter. Yes. And I can't – like, you want to talk about – I can't – see, there's the thing about being funny. I want to hear about your vulnerability and want to hear about you being teased when you were little and all that sort of stuff. That sounds like comedian uh, shaker. You know, you put that yeah. in the mixer, and that's pretty basic. And then you add the ability – to stand on a mound and humiliate someone's son. Yes. His dad is there. Yes. And you make him – you don't just want him to strike out. You want him to like swing really hard and stupidly. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm not – I mean, I'm not necessarily in the stupid realm. Yeah. But if you do look at my stats – I, w- I I did strike out a lot of guys. I was a strikeout pitcher. I'm not saying I was the greatest pitcher. Yeah, I've thrown complete games, seven inning complete games, nine inning complete games. I've come in and done relief. I've done middle relief. I've started what have you. Um, I mean, there's definite games that I have. I can close my eyes. And again, I'm not a major leaguer, and I'm just saying for me. But how yes. many major leaguers have gone into comedy? So we'll look at it that way. Zero. Pete Rose Few. has a tight five. <laughs> Bob Uecker's very funny. I mean, there's some funny baseball players, <laughs> but they're not doing stand-up, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Um, I just, I would pitch on the mound. I just was into the strikeout. Watching pitchers growing up, I was just into guys who threw the ball hard. I loved watching a good fastball yeah. and a batter swinging. I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, always, I was never into like, I want to play shortstop and field or I want to I want to hit doubles and slide. I mean, mm-hmm. I want, I liked hitting, but it would be more of like, I want to hit home runs. I wasn't like a scrappy guy. Is it a little bit like being on stage, being on a mound? A little bit. I mean, definitely now I feel more of, it's either pitching or it's like, quarterbacking like being a quarterback you'll mm-hmm. hear a lot of comedians say you know you stayed in the pocket you know mm. when the quarterback goes back and he's like you know when you believe in yourself you know it's like you're stay in the pocket you relax all right i got that joke there i can look over here yes throw the ball there yes you know so it's, i think it's almost more of a, a quarterback situation but for me pitching i just I would see these guys dig in, like they're digging in. They're digging in. They yeah. want to hit me, and you get like yeah. some big guys. And well, t- they want to humiliate you too. Well, they want to hit a home run yeah. or, or hit a you know a ball right back up the middle. Of course, they want to. Yeah. And I would just like, okay, f you, man. You're digging in on me. You're like a tough guy. I'm gonna. That's a I'm sign. Gonna... Yeah, the, the guys digging like in? digging in, like getting ready, like taking his time, almost like some big cleanup guy and I'm sitting I'm standing there like get get in the box let's go and it's like a battle a one-on-one battle You're staring each other down not really staring each other down I with mean, your moves not necessarily your eyes the digging in and the yeah he's whatever. digging in you're there you're focused on the glove but you're saying to yourself mother effort you know yeah. like I'm gonna I'm gonna blow this by you yeah and you know you get that in major league baseball every night with these closers and so there's these battles but the I I was into that and I think a lot of it maybe had to do with uh me getting picked on and this was a way to like have me lash out like this is like I got a good arm. It, right. Whenever I mean when you're a baseball player and you throw the ball hard, it's kind of like a bravado. It's like I put my yeah. chest out thing. Yeah. And, so there was some of that that I uh 
I, I like that I that was able to have. Yeah. And um, I, I can't. Uh, the closest you tell me because you've done both. Okay. I've gone up. This is my fa- this is my best case scenario. David Mamet has this great thing about the best baseball game ever. He writes mm-hmm. this beautiful story. I believe it's in Three Uses of the Knife. I'm not sure. But it's about the perfect baseball game. And it's about how that home team needs to uh, win at first and then lose and come back and then lose again and then come back again. Okay. Sort of thing. It's like it's a good arc of a good movie is the same as a good uh, baseball game, which is two two downs and two ups. Gotcha. Uh, you're welcome. It's three. three it's a uh, three. Uh... What's the word I'm looking for? Three, uh, three act? Three act. Three actor. Yeah, 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 exactly. You don't want them to dominate. The best baseball game you've ever been to isn't the Red Sox win. I just picked that because I'm from Boston. Winning the whole time. You no. don't, you don't want to see you 30, want a little, uh, 37 to zero. You want to see some drama. You want to see drama. You got one through three innings, four through seven. Yes. Wait, four through seven, right? Four oh, you're breaking six. it into the different acts? Pro- yeah, you know, game is broken into threes. Baseball is yeah. a lot of threes. You're reminding me that my father always likes to go... Uh, how many ounces? In, he goes. This is what my dad will do over the holidays. He'll go. Uh, so you like baseball? Yeah. You, you know a lot about baseball. Sure. So I'll ask you some questions about baseball. Okay. We'll start easy and then we'll get. All right. Okay. Start easy. Um, how many outs in an inning? Three, for yeah. one team. <laughs> <laughs> See, you caught yourself. No one ever says uh, six because that's it is six. It yeah. is six. <laughs> but I said but three. Need, need, for a team. For a team. <laughs> he, my dad, I don't even, see, I'm such a puss. I don't even like jokes like that that trick people. You what, know? Oh, <laughs> were you trying to trick me? Was that a trick That's question? That's his thing. The, the game is over. Oh. Your dad, he would do that. Because that's a little bit of an asshole move, isn't it? Was he a sports fan? He's a big sports oh, fan. Oh, wow, that's funny. And you're not at all. I'm not at all. Which is part of my psychological uh, distance from it is because you associate it with acceptance and throwing the the ball hard and crowd cheering and, and now you have friends or whatever. Uh, I associate it with something that my brother and father have that I would sit there and I wanted to talk to them. <laughs> you wanted to, Well, they say baseball is an intellectual wasteland, the, the clubhouse of a uh, you know major league team um what do you what do you mean by that what does that mean they're not that you know they're jocks yeah like, it, it's, oh it's an intellectual waste i thought you meant for the for the audience no the, but for the, for the uh for the players you know it's like i like my time in baseball but it really makes me appreciate my time in comedy yeah it really i like the supportive environment of artists right and, right in that in that world um even though we're, and we are competitive and i'm not a big i'm actually not that competitive you know it's like I'd want to win, mm-hmm. and I'd feel like crap when I would lose. Mm-hmm. But I just wasn't. It didn't. Yes, it bothered me because I was wanted to, you know, go on to college and be a good pitcher. But in terms of competition, I'm not that kind of guy. Oh, we're going to play checkers. I'm going to beat you at checkers. Right, right. We're going to play. It's in the rules. It's in the rules. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to. You're just in some. Ca- I invited you to my cabin, and you beat me at checkers with some obscure yeah. rule. Look it up. Look it up, man. Oh fuck. It's new, new, new rules on uh, checkers. You can do it, uh... Kingpin. I just want. I mean, I like checkers actually. Checkers is fun. Yeah, it's a, it's sim- a sport. I it's guess. It's a simple game. Actually, my grandmother had a checkers board, and that's one. Uh, she passed away, you know, a while ago. And that's one little. Uh, we would play checkers. So yeah, I, I saved her, uh, her checker game. I have it, so I have a I have a connection with checkers. But a, a connect four with checkers. Connect four. 
Um, but I'm not. I'm not that competitive. It's like if we're playing a game of horse, like I'm going to beat you. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Beat me. Go ahead. Well, I don't play was, cards. I don't do poker. There was the other thing. The, the people that get really upset, I can't handle it. Being a, a bit of an empath, which I think you are as well, you're absorbing the energy of the crowd. If I'm playing basketball with somebody, and one time I freestyle rap battled and beat this kid at Bennigan's, who was <laughs> Bennigan's? Yeah, was it a Bennigan's? This is a Brody move. I was waiting tables there. Okay, so we're the, I waited tables at Red Robin. Is that right? Yeah. The Bennigans of the North. I don't you know got, why I said that. <laughs> well, Red Robin is is was uh, owned by from Seattle. Oh, okay. The first Red it came out of Seattle, and that is North. I should have acted like I knew. I should have been like, yeah, no kidding. I got it. Well, you did get it. I did get it, but it was accidental. Uh, so I beat this kid. I'll never forget it. I was just thinking about this. First of all, I was very proud of myself later for winning this rap battle. Yes. And I have and something it, to connect with that in a second. I can't wait, because I'll keep this real brief. Okay. The point is... He went first. You All never right. want Holmesy going behind you. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Holmesy, Holmesy is my rap name. That's not my gym. Oh, yeah, you're Holmesy. My, okay. gym, my gym teacher called me Holmesy. Um, he's, he, he went first, and, uh, and then I went, and I've said this on the show before, uh, but he made fun of me for being pale, and he was like, uh, like a very, very light Puerto Rican, and he went to tanning beds, and everyone, <laughs> and everyone listening was black, uh, like the, all the other waiters were black, right. uh, south side of Chicago, and I said... Uh, I, you go to tanning beds, I can't compete, but just because you toast white bread, don't make it wheat. And everyone went, oh, nuts. that's great. It was real, I was re- very, very proud of it. Uh, and the moment I said it, when I said, but just because you toast white bread, and I was like, I'm going to destroy this kid, I said, don't make it wheat. And then the next line, the rap was over, you go four bars. The next line that came out of my mouth was, I'm sorry, and I hugged him. I said, while all my uh, friends who were right. listening were going, ah, like going nuts, right. I couldn't enjoy it. I only felt terrible and hugged him and was like, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Because you put him down. Because I put him down and because I beat – and he was a rapper and I wasn't a Oh, rapper. he was a rapper? Well, he was trying to – and then yeah. I was like, now this kid's going to retire. <laughs> He's not going to do it. I'm sorry, Jim Shoe. I call him. I call him Jim Shoe. Jim Shoe. Why Jim Shoe? Jim like Jim shoes? I don't know. One day I called him Jim Shoe. Hmm. Interesting. He might have been wearing Jim shoes. I well, don't. <laughs> Jim shoes are comfortable. Tell me what that made you think of. I'm. We're well, talking about competition and humiliation. Well, I'll let you know. Actually, tomorrow I'm doing a rap battle. You are? Yeah. They have a show. At, Eliza's show. Yeah, I think she's involved with it. The it's, beatdown at the comedy store up in the belly room. That one. Is it called the beatdown? It may be called that or rap battle, but it's pretty popular, mm. and they have it at the comedy store every uh, Friday night. And really? I'm do- I haven't done it before. I've rapped before, like give me a beat and have fun. Yeah, but I'm definitely not into putting somebody down. I don't want to rap battle somebody and go, you right. know, make fun of how they look or right. whatever. Well, Maybe then, in a jovial way a little bit, but I want to make it more bravado and yeah. in the moment. Oh, you can. Uh, you definitely can. Yeah. I can see. I, or the, the moment you say that, I can see it working perfectly. I just hope I, I'm able to rhyme and come up. I mean, I have a rhyming dictionary, so maybe <laughs> I'll uh, get, uh, catch up on that. But I am doing a rap battle tomorrow. So, it's so crazy. I mean, I... I could be. I could do the same thing. Yeah. Attack and hug. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, a. It's a hard. It's. It was. It, well, that feeling of uh, striking out a pitcher. That. That's what. This is what I was going to say to you. I want to know if it feels the same. I was talking about Mamet, the perfect baseball game. The perfect stand-up show for me is. Um, it's. It's some unideal thing. Doers is. Uh, is sponsoring a comedy night. <laughs> okay. Right. And. Uh, and it's okay. 
And this is actually a real show. It's happened in Chicago. Doers is sponsoring a night for The Onion. And back then, this is first two, three years of comedy, a show sponsored by The Onion was like the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. There was no TV credits to be had. So it's me and like Kumail and TJ and all these guys. And we're going to do this show. And it was in this bar and it was like in this area that we never went to, like far north side, really mm-hmm. white bread, like rich kind of area. Uh, Doers is sponsored. So everybody's shit housed. So this, this, I'm setting up the best show. Okay. It's horrible you're in the we're all in the back there's no area to go we're standing in the back the crowd is rowdy as fuck they're already like blacked out and then they're like a comedy show is going to start all these people are just here for the booze right the mc goes up my friend zach and he wasn't um he wasn't bad it it wasn't that he was bad it's just that there was no way anyone was going to listen to this motherfucker you know what i mean he goes on stage Everyone's just annoyed that someone's talking and the music's off. Uh huh. Rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. Everyone's talking, talking. He goes uh, the highway, meaning he floors it and he's going high energy. Mm-hmm. He's yelling over them. He's trying to win them over. Okay. Zero. Not happening. Next guy, zero. In fact, if I'm remembering correctly, this is one of the few times I ever saw TJ not destroy. TJ did well. He did well, but he did not destroy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. Then, um, unfortunately, the story is about me, I'm realizing, and that's going to sound like braggy, but I'm, okay. telling, I'm telling you a story. <laughs> and I'm, I'm right here. I'm with you. I'm there. I'm there on the You're north there. side of Chicago. Yes, yes, the far north I'm side. I'm in the back with you. And I'm about to go on, and I am shitting a brick, and I'm probably wearing khakis. I wore khakis a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dockers. Is dockers or dockers They were khakis? probably dockers. Yeah, dockers and white Adidas. I, I was very confused because my, <laughs> my brother was very much into hip-hop, so I wore Shelto Adidas because oh, my the, brother the wore Shelto DMC, Adidas. Yeah. So I, and I had like the hockey laces and stuff. And gotcha. I was – in high school I did, but then – so now I got regular laces and I'm married, probably wearing a baseball hat and a T-shirt that – I'm fat and weird and I'm sweaty. And I go up and uh, I was very proud of this move because I had never done it before. But I like whispered. I was like – the first thing I said was, uh, I'm not going to dance for you guys. I'm not I'm – not. and I whispered it. Right. And then everybody was kind of like, what's this? Everybody got real, real quiet. And then, uh, and then I proceeded to have one of the best sets of my life. Oh, really? So that – now my question is, that going with the mammoth thing. Even with TJ's set being we're up and then we're losing again and then we're up again. You know what I mean? Uh, Does going up under unideal circumstances – because if you just destroy at meltdown, that's the 37 to nothing Red Sox game. You know what I mean? Everybody won. Mm -hmm. You go up – and I'm not being competitive with my other comedians necessarily, but it's all of us versus the crowd. And you were the guy – you were the pitcher that went in and struck out the Goliath batter. I'm mixing a lot of metaphors. (laughs) Yes. What I'm wondering is, is that what it feels like? To, to not to strike somebody out when there's a runner on third and it's tied up and it's the ninth inning is that the last inning? Um, I did something like that actually against UCLA. I remember struck a guy out with a runner on third. Um, is that right? Yeah, it's you from, a- answer the question however you want. You want to tell that story? You I want mean, to speak to that? It doesn't matter. I mean, I think it's it, it's uh, to me. I, I mean, I this feel like it is two different things. I can't compare a strikeout to a great joke or I, I mean I can I mean I've had great I've had a one game in particular that I think about is when I, I, I struck out 17 guys wow it was a junior varsity game Arizona State my freshman year I was on the varsity but a lot of times you go down to the junior varsity to get innings in like if you're not if you're a freshman or 
you know, you're not you're not getting action in the varsity game. Yeah. At Arizona State, they had a JV program, junior varsity, so you can go down there and get innings in. And the JV guys would just go throw balls at cars. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whoever, like, whoever you're bumping. Shag the balls. <laughs> but it was like the varsity guys, who you just go down there to get your work in. And yeah. If you do well, you, you know, can be, it's like the minor leagues. But uh, I remember I had a game. I struck out 17 guys. And, and that was a game where I'm thinking I'm talking about the guy digging in. I just remember this big guy digging in. And I just, like, said, F you, man. Mm. I want to strike you out. Mm. So I never, again, that's more of a, a sweat and aggression and a F yeah. Yeah. I am, I've just learned, it's like I said, especially lately, is like I'm better when I'm mellow. I don't have a sweat. If yeah. I'm sweating. It's usually not a good sign unless it's one of those crazy, crazy shows. I mean, have, I mean, I go to the comedy store, and I go up late a lot, and I have to battle to keep the audience there. Like, I'll make little, okay, things for myself. Like, I go in, I'm the last guy, there's 20 people there. I try to keep them as long as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll do that. <laughs> or, you know, going up first in audience warm-up is a tough gig, breaking it. But yeah, I haven't, I, I, I can't say... Like doing a great set feels like, you know, striking a guy out. But at the end, if you have a great set, I could feel like, yeah, I see the similarities of like having a great baseball game and enjoying your night or Mm -hmm. having a great set and feeling satisfied after that. So there's some of the same satisfaction, but the actual like adrenaline and the endorphins or whatever you want to, you know, it's not. It's a little it's different. Not, it's not a one-for-one. One. It's, a, it's a different experience. It's a different experience. Um, but I, 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 I mean, I love – I mean, I've had great sets, definitely, that uh, – you were talking about, like, you had a great set. I, yeah. I, For me, like, having a great set is, like, where I can totally be myself. The audience is with me. Yeah. I come out there. I could be loud. I can sweat. I can't – because they've right. seen me. They know me. Well, less jokes, more me. That's the Bill Hicks quote. Oh, really? He would yeah. say that? Less okay. jokes, more me. Those are the ideal – Well, you say it in the in the show and enjoy it. You say, like, they don't know – they didn't know who I am. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a terrible feel. It's one thing to bomb. It's one thing to not be seen. It's yeah. This, it's this feeling of, like, they didn't understand me. Well, and I've learned that, like, I'll go to the comedy store because that's a lot of tourists. That's different than doing Meltdown or doing yeah. some hipster room. Right. And you you got to rein it in. You pull it back. Right. That's the business move. Yeah, it's a business move. But sometimes, like last night, I was, I'll not dig a hole for myself, but I'll go up with crazy, I'll go right into, like, music and dancing. Or you dancing. come up dram- drumming. Or I come up drumming or, end, yeah, coming up. I don't really come up drumming anymore, but. It's always hard to follow. It's like hard to follow yourself. But yeah. sometimes I'll go up there to dig a hole and climb out of that's it. That's interesting. And that's fun, like getting them back, getting them listening. All and- of that sounds like more techniques to force yourself to be present. Like if a, if a performer allows himself to do something that's either hard to follow mm-hmm. or will dig a hole and make it hard, there's no doubt in his mind. A bad set to me is when you're saying the words. You know what I mean? When you're like doing comedy karaoke and you're like, pause here punchline here where am i oh you know what i mean it's the same i'm not good at that nobody is (laughs) or some 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 people are actually i mean you have to i did my when i did my conan set i really i stuck to my stuck to my jokes didn't you do a long set for conan i did a little longer like they gave me more time to kind of like be myself which is great like see that seems like the awakening comedy central with the half hour uh without seeing a tape necessarily conan giving you a little bit longer this uh sounds to me like these bookers and these and these uh industry types are understanding 
that there are some things that are joke tellers that are going to be perfect for television. The Mitch Hedberg types, Stephen Wright types, or, or not even just one-liner guys, but like yeah. that's ready to go. And then you're kind of like, we also have this like firefly. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Can we get this firefly on television? Yeah. And you're like, well, we can cover the stage in honeycomb and uh, and he'll come out. Yeah. But you got to keep one camera on him and then have another camera going and then somebody, the honey guy has to be there slathering more honey and we'll capture something that that's usually only seen on a summer night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what we were able to do. Yeah. I mean, I sh- actually, when I did Conan, we shot it after. They, yeah. we, uh, they had a regular show, and then right after, he said, we have a special... And they do that sometimes, yes. you know, pre-tapes or post-tapes or that sort of thing. So I had that that element where it wasn't like right in the middle of the show, and that's why they gave me a little more time. And I stuck to my jokes, but I was able to throw in my comments and make it real. And that's And that's what I get from a lot of people... Talking about that set, Mm -hmm. I was able to be myself, but also get the jokes out within the parameters of the, uh, you know, how it's set up. Right. So that was a great, a great feeling. I was myself and I stayed within the parameters of that set. When I did my half hour special, I I, I just opened it up, opened it up a little more. And when you do your hour, it's going to be, because somebody actually told me about your half hour, and they were like, I hope they keep in some of that I need a water thing. Oh, yeah. Some people were saying that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it looked, but I really, I mean, I did need water. and Yeah. I, I they said it was the funniest thing. Oh, okay. They said it was so, so, so funny. Well, it was real, and sometimes those moments are, you know, it wasn't mapped out. My voice was really going. Yeah. Because I had done so many interviews during the week, uh, interviewing these comedians, <laughs> and kind of like burnt my voice out. Yeah. I'm not mad at all, but yeah, I felt sure. like I could have been... Stronger, but that was a fun set. I got to play my drums, my tambourine, and <laughs> I just threw it all out there. Yeah. Those are the fun sets when you can play drums, when you can come out with the tambourine, and you can yes. raise your voice and slow yes. down and smile and do your jokes. Right. And then obviously having it be on Comedy Central, and I, I really that's why I feel good about it because I know it's outside validation, but <laughs> I did everything I wanted to yeah, do. I planned yeah. it out and went as well as I could go and. You know, I'm enjoying it, and then you know, work on something else. But it, like I, like I went to the Laugh Factory, and already I could see the the benefits for me personally. Yes. And, and that is a stress reliever. Uh-huh. Obviously, I'll have some stress down the road, but this is a big, you know, big hurdle for me, and it it's relieving stress somewhat, and it's opening my mind a little bit with some even you know more confidence. Yeah. And, um, I would like to do an hour one day. Yeah. Sure. You'd be great. And I feel like, yeah, that, like and that's exciting. element for you. It's exciting to think about that now. I'm starting to write for that. Yeah. So. Well, you know what it makes me think of is uh, a teacher of mine told me this story where he was like, you ever find a beautiful rock in the ocean? You pick up this wet rock. Uh-huh. It's so beautiful. And you want to take it back to your friends on the beach. Right. But by the time you get there, it dried. Yeah. And it just looks like a fucking rock. Like, yeah. I'm we- glad they're keeping you wet. They're keeping me wet. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in the whitewash. I'm here in Zuma Beach. Yes. In Zuma Beach. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about stress. Uh, I one of the things that you said to Jen Kirkman, who just did the show. She was here two days, three days ago. Uh huh. Something like that. Uh, you said something great. You were like, "I live in the present. Uh, if you live in the past, it's depression. If you live in the future, it's anxiety. I'm living in the moment." Which is stress. Which is stress. I threw that line in the stress. I mean, the living yeah. in the moment, living the past. I think that's a, uh, you know, that's a quoted line from somewhere. But it, I, threw, yeah. I threw in the stress. I'm sure a Dow Day somebody said that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been 
you know, I, I was dealing. I, I have I have anxiety somewhat, but never, you know, never too bad. Never. I don't have like anxiety where I'm afraid to see people. Sure. Or isolating or not even to a small extent. I get that a little bit. Um, I only. I'm not trying to make it come out of you if it's not in there, but I'm just saying like. I wonder if you're like me when I'm when I'm all together and uh-huh. when I, I think of myself as like Optimus Prime or something. And if I can get into the robot mode when I sleep, I'm the truck. Right. And then when I get up, I'm the robot. And I'm like, okay, I'm the robot. And then I go out. Then I forget that that truck was kind of worried. <laughs> the, the truck was like having kind of a stressful morning. Yeah. And sometimes I do like um, if if there's a holiday party and there's going to be industry people. From a like, let's say Chelsea lately has okay. a party. I uh, will be worried that I'm going to see someone. Okay, who runs the show? Yeah, I've met him once six months ago. Tom Brunel. He remember. Uh, see, oh. I think you might be better at it. I he remembers me, and I don't remember him because he sees me on the show or whatever. Okay, I only met him once, and I'm gonna just not be rude to him or something. But I, I he'll say hello, and I'll be like. Hi. Because you don't know his name? Because I don't know who he is. I don't recognize his face. I play this scenario. Is this a fictitious character a you're fictitious- talking about? This happened at the – one of the reasons I left the Conan holiday party early was because I was like, I'm afraid I don't know who is – it's not that – I'm not trying to impress anybody. But I'm afraid that like – there are some of my agents I don't recognize. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a big team. Yes. So somebody in a suit comes up. And starts talking to you, and there's no intro. You're just like, hey, do I say nice to meet you? Uh, nice to see you again. Uh, does this guy run the show? Is this somebody that booked me on the show? Do I say thank you? I I one time shot a Batman sketch, one of these Batman sketches I do, with this girl. We were up all night. It was me acting against her. Uh huh. I ran into her here at Meltdown. No fucking idea who she is. No idea. That happens to me all the time, to it be ha- honest with okay, you. Okay, good. It happens. And then there's this, okay, so that's reasonable. Right yes. Right now we're using our reason and okay. we're saying that's reasonable. Reasonable. Anyone could understand it. Yes. Forgive, move on. Forgive, nobody, move on. Nobody hates you. No. Um, but then anxious, uh, pre-optimist Truck Pete goes, I don't know if it's worth it. Chinese food, on demand, jerk off, go to bed. <laughs> I mean, you could do both, though. <laughs> Why not do both? Why not go to the party and get the Chinese food and Jer- the jerk, the jerk off, off and, go to bed. and go to bed? I actually think a lot of times the jerking off for me is uh, is a way to take sex off the table. If you jerk off so much, there's no chance of you wanting to have sex, so there's no chance of you want being de- uh, denied sex. Exactly. I do. I mean, honestly, I do think about that. Uh, I what I just said? Yeah. I love that you relate to what I just said. I was like, he's not going to get what I'm fucking saying. No, I do get what you say. <laughs> yes. I'm a single guy. Single. And I, I'm not anti-dating. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I do mention that I'm 10% gay. That's on another podcast. We'll talk about that another time. <laughs> but I'm into, I'm into women, of course, and dating and all that. But And I'm sure they can make your life better, and they can be a partner, and they can help you out. But I also feel, you know, the bachelor lifestyle for me and the access to the Internet pornography, it just makes it quick. Like you get it over with and, it is, and it's done instead of like beating yourself up. I need to be with the chick. I didn't hook up tonight. 
Go Can I tell internet. you the thing that fucked up my set was was girl related? Yeah, you never want that. Can I tell you something? Sure. This is a weird one. One time I was dating this girl who I was having a real hard time with, very tumultuous relationship. And do you remember this? I ran into you at the improv. Uh-huh. And I was like, Brody, I'm sorry. I have to tell somebody this. Okay, I, th- I remember that. And we were standing between the lab and the main room. Okay, yeah. And I was like, will you please come into the... And we, d- we didn't even know each other that well. that well at that point. Right. Uh, this is the longest we've ever talked about. I mean, like, we've known each other for a long time uh-huh. through the scene. But even back then, I was just some guy. And... and uh, we, the reason I had to tell you was because of girlfriend thing. Was yeah. pro- I, we can talk about what the girlfriend thing is, but you relate to that. That idea that my set that night was fucked up because of some bullshit with this girl. Again, I'm with you. I think they can help us. Nur- I, it's bad that I started with help us. We can help each other. Yes. We can nurture, love, grow, learn something about ourselves and each other that we wouldn't learn without each other. Learn what real love is. Learn what real living is. Colors brighter. I want to do that. All that sort, and I'm with you too. Now that that's out of the way, that we're not monsters, we uh-huh. can say that sometimes you jerk off and just be done with it. Yes, <laughs> it's a time thing. I got to get up early. I got to get coffee. I got to write. I mean, I, 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 I feel like right now, just where I'm at, some opportunities that I'm having. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to. Uh, Ruffle and not ruffle the feathers, but I, I don't want to like reinvent the wheel. Just keep doing what I'm doing, and yes. when I'm when I feel like the time is right for me to be more open with emotions or dating, I think it will happen. It's it's a natural thing. I kind of, I know you have to put effort in and work and all that, but I feel like, for example, with my comedy, I mean, joke writing is something like takes work. You sit down and you do it. But the confidence and your point of view and your honing your voice, that's just a it's a time thing, it's an energy thing, it's a confidence thing. I feel like I'm a little you know, it takes me a little while to grasp thing, grasp some things or get really yeah. comfortable. I'm getting better at getting comfortable sooner. But I feel and I hope I mean I'm forty two, I would like to have a relationship probably by my mid to late forties and hopefully a child one day by 50 early 50s but i don't have those i'm not putting that out i'm putting my energy i don't want to sound selfish but into myself into my comedy it's into my mother actually you know looking after my mother who's uh older now and yeah that sort of thing that's something else that my therapist just said to me this week was he was like i think you've me have completely visualized what it means to be single Mm -hmm. and uh what that that life can look like in a good way. The things we're talking about, the self-reliance, the focus on the work, and then the occasional, uh, you know, date sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so meeting needs, living life, feeling happy uh-huh. in that realm. He's yes. like, I believe that you can close your eyes and picture it perfectly. The shiny things, the happy things, the laughs and the intimacy or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, I think you, when you, this is what he said to me. He was like, when you, can as clearly visualize the other thing, meaning the true intimacy, the closeness, the commitment, the relationship. Uh, once, like going, like on the bus to the game. Once I can picture that being a good game. Uh-huh. Once I can make my language about a committed relationship positive instead of negative, like yeah. you were saying, not don't strike out, but let's get on base. Yes, exactly. Once I can apply that to the other thing, Uh because right now we're both doing that thing, the Mm -hmm. selfish thing, 
Not, I don't say selfish in a bad way, by the way. Right, exactly. And like, we're both in the same boat. Making ourselves. We're fishing for selfish. We're <laughs> fishing for selfish. Shellfish. <laughs> Who, people fish for selfish? I guess. I, I fish because I'm selfish. I, fresh fish from the ocean. <laughs> so, anyway, I wonder you, you are 42, and I'm 33, and, we're, and I worry that I will get. Do you worry? That we're building ourselves up as these turrets, these castle turrets. And uh, when I hear you say by mid-40s, uh, relationship by mid-50s, you're, you're saying to yourself that there's still enough sunlight coming in. You're built, like if you can imagine we're putting the stones up and we're mm-hmm. building ourselves into this thing. And because it's so awesome in there. It's so safe and comfortable. Yeah. And we have everything in that castle turret that we need. Mm-hmm. But we're leaving just enough room for somebody to jump in there. Yes. Right? Yeah, I like that. It's hard to know which is the brick of self-reliance and lonerism that's going to block out that girl. If she's not a pole vaulter, it's me and you, buddy. Denny's 4 a.m. I know. I'm 53. You're 60, whatever. I'll be 65 at that point. (laughs) Denny's Diner on Gower. I'll be there. I'll be there, too. Moons over my hammy. We hear a faint jazz laugh. Um... I mean, yeah, I'm leaving that open, and I also don't want to put, you know, time stamps on things. Like, well, if I'm not by 48, if I'm not this or that, I'm just like, I'm guesstimating. Right. Just seeing where I'm going at the last few years, and I still have to be comfortable with myself. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm sure not everybody's fully comfortable with their See, that's what I don't understand. I, I didn't understand watching the show. First of all, that Zach said he hadn't met a girlfriend of yours and f- knowing you for 14 years. I've been with chicks. He's met a couple. That was, that was a lie. <laughs> Your mom's saying that she never met. I have a weird friend. thing with my mom and women. I think I'm better with that now. I just always had a weird. And I mean, look, I could have some. I could be chemically or genetically messed up. I may not have that gene of love and and. Uh, I mean, maybe love and caring for another for another person. I may not put out that vibe. I may not have that gene. I hope I do. I think I do. Maybe it's something I can work on. But I was always weird about my parents thinking of me as a sexual being like Stephen, which is my real name, little Stephen or Stephen in high school, having sex or having a girlfriend. Why? I don't know. I think they always made me uh, – it could be a Jewish upbringing, my mom making me, you know, nervous and – I'm not, I'm not blaming my parents in any way. Why not? Let's blame them. <laughs> um, I was. I just had some, you know maybe some mental issues in a sense that I just felt that I didn't have confidence. I didn't feel like I was a great looking guy. Yeah. I got picked on. I was kind of goofy and gangly. I was okay at sports, but even in that world, I got picked on. But I just and I, I felt like oh they're making fun of my big nose or I'm goofy and I felt as though those are things girls don't like. I look at magazines and these guys are good looking and. And this is before comedy, and this is before I learned as when once you get older, it's not, I mean, looks matter, but it's more about, it is personality, who you are and what you do yeah. or, you know, how you live your life. And it's I'm learning your energy. That. Your energy. Yeah. My energy is, uh, it's better, it's more honed, it's more See, refined. See, but that's the thing that I agree with, with your friends when they say that in the show, is that, like, it doesn't, you, I can see you with a girl easily like so, in a, with so a girl, can i with a girlfriend i mean i mean i have girls that are interesting i mean interest i have girls that are interesting <laughs> i have girls that are into me um 
but sometimes I'm just not I, I I I can't actually physically give them the time that they deserve. Right. You know, and because you're prioritizing your career over them. I'm prioritizing my career. Um but and that's not necessarily a full on healthy thing. It is nice maybe to take that one night and go, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on like seeing a movie, going out right. to a nice dinner with a girl or whatever. Well, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are guys I see tons of comedians who are always with different girls or their girlfriend. They're able to do it. Me, um, I mean, I still want to kind of sow my oats a little bit. I want to I want to go on the road and have some fun. I haven't done a lot of I've done road stuff here and there, but sure. I'm not some like road dog and. And not that, not that that's like a cool thing, but I, I want to experience a little bit of that yeah. that rock star life. I was just gonna say, there's when you the second you're playing music, it's not creepy anymore. Like when, right. when we're like, uh, you know, the road dog, oh gross. Uh, when you're Motley Crue, cool, cool, yeah. yeah. Well, that's well, why I bring a tambourine and drumstick <laughs> to make them comfortable. Exactly, you're rhythmic. My, you're my roadie. Blow my loadie. Brody the roadie. Blows Blow his my loadie. <laughs> let's let's make it weird. Um, oh, shifting gears. Sh- no, s- same area. I want. It. Let's talk about your mom because when you say that you have a hard time with your mom seeing you as a sexual person, I'm not being passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Do you need to take any of these? You no, know, I just want to say. Let me just let me just say one. Um, sure. Still in podcast, yeah. But that's not a bad thing. Don't they know which podcast this is, Brody? This is the long one. This isn't what the fuck. This is okay. where'd my day go? <laughs> where'd my day go? We got a little more. So this is to get the, this. Is the, I, I I could talk all day, but I love it. It's over when it's over. Okay, you know what I mean. Which is if you're saying it's over. No, it's not over. I don't feel like you're saying it's over. But when, again, I know we're two gentlemen. So do we have like, is it like 20 minutes left or a half hour? Because I, I got to go to the office and I got to do warm up by 5.15. I got yoga at 5, brother. <laughs> okay. That's what I, that's my out. Okay. But um, it, we've gone. We'll do a little more. We can get weird. We'll we, get weird. We've gone. It. If you're wrapping me up, I'll go, I'll go shotgun the big ones. That's what we're gonna do. Right let's now. let's focus on that only because I got to go to the office, then do warm up. I understand, and I want to get weird and do whatever you need to do. We've been going ninety. We usually go two hours. Oh, we're at ninety right now. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it, does it? No. Well, I'm very good. Okay, then let's keep going. Keep pushing. Katie laugh. Coveted Katie laugh. Yes, my mother and I. This is what I'm talking now. Have an inappropriate relationship, meaning emotionally, nothing, nothing weird, meaning. Most of my adult life, I'm, I'm sorry, my child life, I was her man. Meaning, my father was not what she needed necessarily. Uh-huh. This is hard for me to put in terms because I love my dad. They're doing great now. Big sports fan. Everybody's happy. Huge Sox fan. Season's tickets. He would give them to you. You get it. Him. U.S. Cellular, formerly Comiskey Park. Well, that's Chicago. Yeah, does he live in Chicago? Red Sox. Red Sox, Fenway Park, just there, Green Monsters, 37 feet tall. They let you on the field. Yes, they did. I, and the moment I saw that photo on Instagram, I thought, if I could get my dad on that field, that would be something. It, you could, know make, I mean? it could happen. I mean, like, but like, I want it in a showbiz way. Oh, okay. I want well, them to be like, Pete Holmes' dad wants to get on the field. Let him through. Let him through. 
The, here's the, what I mean by inappropriate, meaning uh, I was like her little husband. Right. I, I filled an emotional need that was what I would uh, – and we've talked about this. this. is not me talking out of school. We've discussed this and I think moved on from it. But I filled in where my father was lacking a little bit emotionally. Okay. So I was Sweet Pete, golden boy, very emotional. Mm-hmm. This is where I learned how to empathize and communicate yep. and, uh, and where I get my somewhat girlish manner. Hanging out with mom constantly, walks with mom, talking about <laughs> whatever. Right. So eventually, then I marry the first girl I meet. I'm going to keep this real brief because my mother thought it was a good idea. That's vulnerability right there. <laughs> right. The reason I got married, if you really want to boil it down, is because my mother thought it was a good idea. Um, that's embarrassing and hard for me to live with. I do it. Then I get divorced. Now what? You want to talk about never being a road dog, never being single, never fucking anybody else. Yeah. I married the first girl that I had sex with. I was religious. Married her. Now, what is a boy to do? How can the golden boy fuck broads? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. How can mom's little husband cheat on mom? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm being weird. I don't. It is weird, but I'm with you. It's not. What I'm saying is it took therapy for me to go... Oh, somewhere deep down, I have a loyalty to my mother that is like thinking of her as some sort of that's my girl, uh-huh. my mom, and like and it was it was blocking me from having true. I got rid of it. I really believe that I did, but I had to talk about it with my therapist. So when I hear you, and that's all me oversharing, in hopes that you'll overshare. <laughs> my when I hear you saying that your mother. Uh, you couldn't think of you. You couldn't think of yourself as a sexual person in the eyes of your parents. Right. I'm wondering if anything of, of that resonates with you. On your story, or if it just unlock helps you think of what your thing is. Why is it? Why do you need? Do you feel like you needed permission from your mother to become a, a grown ass man? Fucking broads. You know, she never like told me not to. But my mom is very, like, worries about me. Very. That's me going. Mm -hmm. That's you? Okay. Um, Yeah, it was the whole whole sexual being thing. Not sexual being. Like, talking sex around my mom or my dad. I just never felt comfortable. Mm. I mean, I I feel like, yeah, I'm a slow learner. Uh, Maybe it's a genetic thing. My sister is older. She doesn't. She's not married. So I feel like there's something there. And. I don't think my mom and dad raised me in a weird way. There's something a little bit similar to that. Uh, for example, when my father passed away, I felt in some way it did open me up to being more um, more open comedically, more out there, knowing that my oh, father really? was not judging me. Not that he judged me, but he was kind of hard on me with baseball and he saw a couple years of my comedy, and I don't know necessarily got it, or he thought of his son as a comedian. He always wanted me to play baseball, mm-hmm. and I, I felt, and I, I, I mean, I feel a little bad about this. I mean, I do, I mean, I don't know, somewhat, but when he passed away, it was, it did open me up. I mean, it, it, to be more comedic, and I'm not, I'm not saying like we talk about that all the time. I talk about how the fact that my parents don't consume my comedy, it enables me to say whatever I want. Exactly. I just talked about an inappropriate boundaryless relationship with my mother because I know she'll never hear it. She'll this. never hear it. If she did, she'd be okay with it, but I can I could say other weird things that she wouldn't. Yeah, I mean my mom concerning that kind of stuff, I I uh 
you know, I pretty much say whatever I want from my mom. I feel when did your dad comfortable. pass away? He passed away in 1997. So I was uh, 27 at the time. Okay, and uh, I was back in New York, but he wasn't a he wasn't totally you know the comedy thing it was like. But you know, see I, that see that feels Oedipal to me too. I'm I'm sorry. I always read my own problems onto people. You yeah. got your father who you're having a hard time killing. <laughs> you're having your father. You're having a hard time replacing. Yes. When uh, when Beth Stelling did the podcast, my father came up, and I quickly was like, "I'm taller." You know what I mean? There's a little. There's a guy that wants to beat your father in a foot race. You want your dad to acknowledge you as a comedian to surpass him, to be better than him at baseball, to be better. Stronger than him, taller than him, darker than him, more handsome than him, all those things. So I'm putting it to you. Is that true at all? Do you feel that sort of com- competition with your father? And then it would go into the, the mother being like, and this is the person that I'm most loyal to? No, I, I did not feel a competition with my father. I was comfortable about, around my dad. My parents were divorced, so early on oh, when, I was, when I was six, they got separated. But my mm. father was always in my life. He took more of the... Um, baseball side he'd be involved in that going to my little league game so my mom and dad were, were cordial and i always got a kick out of that i always liked when my dad would come over and visit and have dinner even though they were divorced and separated at that time mm-hmm. but it wasn't uh i never like wanted to be better looking than my father or smarter or richer but i always knew like i've always you know you that my mom and dad always say we want you to live a better life than than we did you know, I think that's a normal thing for parents to say to their kids. Like, I mm-hmm. want you to have a, a better upbringing. Um, I, 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 if, I mean, to be honest, I, I do think some of my issues which benefit me in comedy are, I, I do want to say it could be a genetic thing. And, you know, there's a history of mental illness on my mother's side, not my dad's side, but my, my mom's side. And I think maybe that's played into a little bit of my... Me too. You know where I am with with who I am, but as I get older and more mature and get more stability in my career, I mean, this is America. I guess you know, money and capitalism, and we do have to pay our bills and right. do. And I, I feel like the better I get with that, that's a stress reliever. The less stress in my life, the better I am, and that's you know. And also, I'm learning coping skills with stress. Everybody has stress. You know, it's not. I have stress, but I feel like I have extra stress because I'm in show business, extra stress because I'm doing comedy, and I have to. We have to continue continually create, and then I feel that I have extra st- stress. Just my own extra stress, like my own personal issues. I mean, mm. I've had. I mean, I do take medication. Not that I'm some crazy wacko, but I am susceptible. Mate, I mean, I did have an episode. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little. Sure, bit. we can. It's therapeutic for me, and I, I talk about it on a lot of shows. But we'll. Uh... Yeah, I want to. Let's find a way to talk okay. about it that these other fucking your goddamn Scott Ackermans can't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, didn't, you, you can't. Earwolf I, I, I picked the one podcast that you couldn't go on. It. You'd have to be a character to go on. This well, I show. did actually. I did a show over there uh, early on when I uh, like maybe a month or two after I got back into circulation. Yeah. And I did a show over there, and it, they didn't air it. I did one with the. Uh, <laughs> one of the one of the shows and i it was like too serious for me. really yeah well let's let's well but we can do whatever you want. i'm open i'm no, fine I'm let's a- get weird <laughs> make it weird pete holmes uh so you had a little mania you had a sprinkle of mania i had a sprinkle of mania here's what i'd like to say 
What's weird whenever I see – we had John F. O'Donnell on the show who is uh, manic. Oh, he is? Manic depressive. And uh, we talked about – now, John helped me understand when we crossed that line from uh, the brain just looking like Christmas lit up, firing mm-hmm. on all cylinders like the doctor on your show says. You can be more clever. TJ, who had that brain problem before he had that thing in his brain removed, yeah. uh, was having – epic bouts of not sleeping, not needing sleep, and being incredibly clever, intuitive. Um, TJ said that he would start conversations, he'd go up and he'd go, I'm going to tell you three things. One of them's going to make you laugh. The second one's going to make you think I'm a little bit weird, but you're going to be a little bit afraid. But then the third one's going to make us all feel really good, and then we're going to hug. And then he'd do it. You know what I mean? Like prophesying how a conversation was going to go because your brain is just in overdrive. What I want to know is when I watch you – in that place, specifically when you're tell- telling Howard, like, film this. I want this on YouTube today. <laughs> right. There's an extension. When you talk about my mother, uh, my mother's side has some, some uh, for lack of a better term, crazy in it, too. Uh-huh. I know I have. I, I uh, acknowledge my own manic states all the time. And it's when I'm flaring up that I write all the stuff that the low guy can say and still feel flared up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what is... Mania in relation to just regular hyper-creativity that's good when it takes that turn into, I need help. I mean, for me, I was always, like, performing, for example, let's say since I came back here to L.A. in 2000. Like a high-energy guy. Yes. Sweating, you know, but not too much. Going into the red zone. Um not a road rage guy. I mean, I never had any problems, for example, at the improv or UCB. My problems would be like comedy store, getting buttons pushed there, and sometimes work related stuff. I did have, I did butt heads with warm up, even from Best Damn Sports Show, and then also at Chelsea, I butted heads because, um, you know, I was so into the show. I'm so, I'm hyper focused on my job and my show, and I also felt that I had been doing it at times three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, six hundred shows at those times, and I felt like I knew what I was doing. And when somebody and you would get new producers or new executives in there, and it's like I know what I'm doing. Let me do it, and that caused friction, and where I would have like some blow ups. Mm-hmm. going into the the production and go, guys, I, we can't hear anything on the floor. The speakers aren't working, and the sound guy says it's fine. It's not fine. The audience can't hear. They're not laughing. The talent's getting upset. I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. So I had those issues, and a couple of those times turned in like Brody has uh, anger management, anger issues. It's like, no, I care about the show, I, I and I, I don't want to look bad. Right. So I had um, – you know, some of that like would be like, okay, this guy's a little, not crazy, but different. Right. Well, that's something that your sister said when in, in the show. She said, you think your way is the right way. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what she said. And I think at s- certain times, yes. Yes. Well, that's what you said to her, too. Yeah. Okay. I said the same exact. <laughs> you were like, Cer- but it works. But it works. Everyone's happy. Yeah. Win-win. Uh, right. So I butted heads, you know, at Chelsea also, and I kind of had. Who, by the way, was wrong. Talk therapy is a term. Yeah. She was wrong. She, Chelsea, I love Chelsea, by the way, and I know some people say she didn't look good on the show, but I have no problems with Chelsea. I yeah, felt- everybody understands she was trying to do a bit, but when yeah. you said talk therapy and she 
pounced on that. I was like, right. no, that's Freud invented talk therapy. Yeah. Before it was like electro, and you even knew other types of therapy. Anyway, go yeah. on. Watch the show. Watch the show. Check it out. It's on the that. internet somewhere. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, Sorry, I, I forgive me. Where was I? Bit. Where was I? We were talking about. Oh fuck me! Why did I bring up Chelsea? <laughs> we're talking about the uh, you, oh the warm your up, way to do it. Anger management issues. Yeah. So I never had any kind of like this guy's going to snap and go postal. Once in a while, they would think that, and I'd go in the red zone. But for me, uh, I basically good things were happening. I was out of warm up for a year and a half, and I wasn't. I wasn't getting therapy. I was never really a therapy guy, and I wasn't under any kind of supervision from a psychiatrist. I was getting my meds, Lexapro. That's all I was taking, just a simple antidepressant to take the edge off because at the time it was like Facebook, Twitter, all these things I had to do. It was like a little much, and it helped me. You talk about pressure a lot on the show. You feel pressure. Yeah, I felt some, and I think that helped me. And I was like, hey, I'm doing all this warm-up. Things are good. I'm taking my meds. I'm not going to stop. You know, I'm going to – things Keep are working. Doing, yeah. And then when I got out of warm-up and I was doing the hangover too, I was kind of like looking into like – and I was feeling good. I kind of felt like, oh, maybe I can cut back on my meds a little bit. And I, I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But, again, I didn't have a doctor supervision or anything like that. And then uh, about – Six months later or so, I went over to Ireland. I had a good set, good time. Then I went to the Montreal Comedy Festival. And I was kind of rationing my meds a little bit. And with all these time zone changes. Time zone changes also. But I was feeling great and normal. And I, I started rationing the meds. And I got uh, very little rationing. But then I got really sick in Montreal. And I was just... It might have been a withdrawal, but it might have been like a real 24-hour flu thing. I couldn't swallow. I wasn't taking anything. And I went downstairs, and they gave me an antibiotic. And he says, you'll feel better in 24 hours. So I took the antibiotic, and I felt better. And I said, God, I feel good. I feel clear. I haven't taken my meds for two or three days. I go, I'll just keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And I was in Montreal for like two or three more days and doing good shows, feeling good. And then I came back to L.A. and I just kept kind of spiraling up. You know, it, I was happy. I was energetic. I was like, this is this is the way it is. And it was just, man, and I wasn't on my meds. So I just kept going up and up. And every criteria of a manic episode, I was kind of hitting them all. Talking big, talking big money, not sleeping much, out of character and violent. Or I was mm-hmm. like picking fights with people. I never... You know, I was smart enough not to act, like punch somebody. I, I did kick a guy at, in the parking lot at the comedy store, but really? he was bugging people. I mean, I was not going up to random people and like punching them. And it, I, I saw some of the threatening video on the on the show. Well, he was bugging somebody, and yeah. it like set me off. I was like in superhero mode. But yeah, that was my manic episode, and I went off my meds, cold turkey, and then all these other things triggered it. Probably smoking pot, probably the time change, everything. And then they, uh, you know, my friend stepped in, and I did get some help. And I, I, I do struggle. I do de- not deny, but I struggle the label of bipolar. I felt as though I went off my meds, cold turkey. You're not supposed to. And mm-hmm. then you tie in the antibiotic and everything else. So uh, it caused some damage. 
but everyone was for the most part okay with that and i I, I did shift my meds. Like, I am on a better medication now, actually, that does help my comedy. That's what I was saying. Like, I don't go in the red zone so much. Mm-hmm. So, comedically, I feel like these meds, in terms of, like, bringing me down just a notch, they help out my comedy. Mm-hmm. The problem is, it's the... I, I do feel different. It's a new it's a new me a little bit, and I kind of have to get used to that still. It's like a rewiring my brain. Mm-hmm. and But every day... Especially with structure and doing podcasts, and I mean podcasts would really help me out by being guests and doing my own two to three times a week, and just some outside stuff, some outside validation has made me feel better. You know, I, I, I and I'm kind of like it is making me feel better on the inside, at least temporarily. But I feel like the meds and therapy support system, everything's in place now that wasn't in place before, mm-hmm. and. I think everyone, I feel better. I'm just more relaxed. I know people that get their car broken into uh, say that it's not the loss of stuff. It's the feeling of uh, vulnerability uh, and betrayal, social betrayal. Do you feel betrayed by your brain? Is Is it a weird feeling knowing that your brain, who you trust more than any friend or any person, your being, was telling you these things? Like, let's tweet a billion times, this guy's against you. Do you feel like you can't trust yourself? Um, that's a great question. And that's why you get a lot of downloads. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, trust is a hard word. I mean, I have days where I have to remind myself, like, get out of the house. Don't isolate. Be around people. Go to the coffee bean. R- write. Journaling has really helped me out. Podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like my brain let me down but it was kind of like a scary thing and i mean i never thought i was going to hurt myself and i never thought i was going to hurt anybody else i i I did mention a gun and that was more like like leave me alone people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i was getting a lot of people calling me and freaking freak being freaked out and looking back on i'm glad they were yes yes uh, i um it, it was harder, like, that first year after once... I mean, when I was in the hospital, I mean, it was like... It was surreal, but I, I wasn't... I felt like I'm in here. Might as well... And I was already I was already public on it on Twitter. So I felt like people know. So I felt like people know maybe we can make, turn this into comedy some way. And I knew that I stopped taking my meds. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as though I was on my meds and... um and it was just Lexapro. And I, if I was on my meds doing what I would normally do and I flipped out, okay, then that would kind of really freak with – that would really mess with me. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I feel not – stopping my meds cold turkey, I kind of feel like, all right, it's like a guy who drank too much and yelled at his friend or went on some crazy bender. I felt like that happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um but the medication that I'm on, like personally, it's been somewhat of a struggle the last year to to get everything going. Like career wise, comedically, like I said, because the meds have kind of like mellowed me, it's made for better comedy. I don't go into that red zone. But for my life, in terms of like exercising and eating like I used to and it I, I'm still training my mind. I'm rewiring it. And mm-hmm. 
I I mean, I do feel like each day I'm getting better and better. And if I do feel weird about something, and I haven't, knock on wood, because I feel like my meds are all right. But I have a therapist. I can reach out. My mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. I have you're, I have better coping skills now. You're making me realize that we all do things with our brains. We all don't want our brains to do certain things. I, right. I kind of made it sound like you were different from me. And hearing you talk, and I didn't mean to do that. It's okay. Hearing you talk made me realize... We're exactly the same. One of your things is this medicine. But when I'm – I also have to be like, don't isolate. What am I eating? Who am I talking to? What kind of thoughts am I having? And then you're saying and in addition to this – so your cocktail is whatever your new medicine is uh, plus friendship, plus work, plus exercise, plus family. This is – that's life. That's life. That's what life is. You leave me alone you know, in some sort of isolation chamber on a goddamn lost style island, I am also going to have an episode. We all are doing what we need to be doing to try and make our brains and to make our person into who we think we truly are at our best. Agreed? Mm Mm-hmm. I just think that's really... You kind of made me have a little epiphany. Oh, good. I'm glad I can do that to you. (laughs) I'm glad I can do it with you. But I'm not not mad at my brain. Um, It was... I mean, scary, I guess, and I don't want it to happen again. I mean, I would say, like, for that first year, getting the meds adjusted, I was living in Hollywood. I was out, not in the Valley anymore. I had I had to move out of my apartment. Out of 818? I had to move out of the 8. Well, I had to move out of, I did. I wanted to try Hollywood. And 818 until I try Hollywood. 818 until I try Hollywood. You got it. Dormitory, sub-Mediterranean parking, one spot only. <laughs> um, but it was tough. Nobody told me that I would be going through a depressive state. When yes. you go up, you go down. Yes. And I was not aware of that. For whatever reason, going up. Right. How come we never heard about Charlie Sheen's down? Where was that down? That had to be a big down. Well, he went right back into you know, working again. Yeah. And I think his thing was more like, I guess he was on drugs or something like yeah. that. Well, I'd like to hear about your dad, because that, that, I think we were robbed from that part of the story. We're just saying sometimes people have these episodes. Right. I'd like to hear about the down. I mean, the down was, uh, it was hard. Yeah. I, uh, I would, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of crying, a lot of why me, this is hard. Um, I didn't expect this. Um on top of normal comedic things, being nervous about the Laugh Factory, being nervous in front of performing in a big big crowd at the comedy store. But like I said, my comedy got better, working on the show, having the, the HBO show come out, help my confidence. Um, those are some outside things, but you know they did uh, outside validation, but it did help. And just doing a lot of therapy, creating that structure not sleeping. You know, the meds are side effects. You can be tired sometimes, and mm-hmm. I still deal with that. But I would say friendships, structure, hiking, staying busy, writing my jokes. I felt like comedically people thought it was funny, and a big thing holding me back was not, you know, writing jokes is something I can control. Mm-hmm. And that's what's stressing you out. Brody, you don't feel like you have a half hour or 45 minutes. You can't go. Is that bothering you? Because you're funny, and you can go out on the road. Well, I could write jokes, and I started getting yeah. What, more what can that. we fix? Yeah, what what what's in my control? What can we fix? Right, and uh, 
All those things started coming to place. I moved back to the valley. Eight one eight. Eight one eight. I just I like the peacefulness. I grew up there. Yes. So I think a lot of people who grew up in the valley, they don't move to Hollywood. They stay in the valley. Right. It's just and and being back there, the vibe. You don't have the tour vans. You don't have the 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 the, the actors and actresses fresh moving to Hollywood yeah, or the I mean. craziness of, you know, the Walk of Fame. And it's like I'm out in the valley. I'm only 15 minutes away, but it's like for me, I can really, it's tangible mm-hmm. the difference that I feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just adding to everything and doing Boston and feeling good on this podcast and yeah. all, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the interest of getting you out of here uh, at the two-hour mark, we um, we always talk about God. Okay. Usually that just comes up organically. Okay. But if it doesn't, at the end, I just say, um, you were raised with Yahweh, the, the Jewish God. Well, I was not bar mitzvah. I am not... I, I am so not, you are invisible to God. I am invisible. <laughs> he does not see you. <laughs> I call myself blue-collar Jewish. Um, Jew-collar? Jew-collar Jewish. <laughs> I am Jew collar Jewish. I <laughs> Jew collar um, bluish. Jew collar bluish. That's a joke. I'm Jew collar bluish. Oh, <laughs> but I do. I, I do believe in. I'm not like one of these. Oh, we're an atheist, and uh, we die, and we're plants, and we go away. I like to think that when we do die, our spirit does live on in some way, in a conscious way. I'd love to think of you as a as a cloud of mist, going yes, eternal yes, life. Push, not daisies. <laughs> Pushing daisies. I th- I don't know. You know, I just feel that. And I'm not mocking that, by the way. I'm open to that. You're open. That's also my hope. You feel that? I would. I would like to think that there is comes some. I would like to think that there is some kind of afterlife in a peaceful way where I will meet up with my dad or my dogs and all. You know, the heaven kind of thing. Dogs in heaven. Dogs in heaven. Very Disney. Very Disney. Cats. Yeah. I'm I'm not anti-cat, uh, but if I saw a cat or two up there, I'd be okay with it. I'm a dog guy. No cows, though. No, I'm not into cows. I'd eat them. Don't we eat cows for well, that's beef? That's the thing. It's one of my points. It's like when we got dogs and cats getting souls, and, and when we're going with the Buddha and the Dalai Lama talking about all life being sacred, if I'm thinking about heaven and there's dogs, we eat a million animals an hour in, the, in this country alone. So that's a million. That's a. We go to heaven. It's crowded up there. It's mostly cattle. Oh, cattle! Really? And if, if we're putting them, in if the they're same. up there too, maybe they have their own separate heaven. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think they do. They're in their own gated area. Yeah, they're happy. Yeah, the sixth stomach gate. But that's uh, you know, speaking of heaven or God, and that is something. As you get older, when you turn forty or forty-two, you do start thinking about your. Uh, you know your existence on this earth and your mortality and, mm. and those kind of thoughts do enter my mind and you want to enjoy your time here on earth and death is everybody dies and it's a part of life death is a part of life and you just want to enjoy your time here and i feel like me doing comedy i feel like i'm affecting people mm-hmm. and i don't want to do a nine to five job stuck in a being a cubicle i'm not wired for that and that's not to say by working in one of those that you're, it's negative, but I feel like no, I understand. I need to be doing this not only for myself, but it, but I feel like I'm helping others. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm a big believer in the ministry of, of comedy. What yeah, the ministry of comedy. So, and and I, and I like doing it. It's not like I dread doing. Oh, Here, here's do what's great is is you're currently ministering to people in cubicles, which I think is really not. The, I, again, you weren't putting them down. No, not at all. Here you are reaching them with being vulnerable about your story and. 
me oversharing about my mother. Yeah. <laughs> a little Oedipus thing going on. I used to try to kiss my mom when she put me to sleep at night when I was a kid. Like, try sure. to, like, kiss my mom. Oh, you weren't though. affectionate, though. My mom will still try and sit on my lap and stuff. Oh, really? No, my mom will go, Steven, you're nagging me. Beat it, Irina. That's what I said. Oh, I beat <laughs> Scram. Scram. Took a get lot of therapy, of therapy to, for me to be like, could you, could you scram? Could you get out of here? <laughs> it's a $10,000 phrase. Scram, mom. Uh, so you're open to it, not too rigid about religion, but you're, you're open to an idea of a, of a creator and some sort of afterlife. Yes. And I would consider myself spiritual. Yep. What does that look like? I'm into, I'm into crystals. I'm into Sedona. I'm into energy. My family's from New Mexico. You know, my grandmother was born in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Okay. I've been to Sedona. Um, Yeah. I, I, I haven't spent time up there, but my grandmother was raised in Arizona. My father was born there. And we are we have some artists in our family and turquoise and things of that nature. So go on. I do I do feel like I have a Native American connection, mm. and I you know on stage I'll channel into that and say about how UFOs where do they land New Mexico? That's why I feel the that's why I connect with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there there's some there's some truth to that. But I would say I'm spiritual. I don't want to say. I mean, I'm definitely not. Tell me. About- I mean, I have some. I, I even have some Christian values. I believe in some of that. I think all that's from being around baseball, being in Arizona. You're kind of like you do see that side. You do see those people, and mm-hmm. I'm sure when you go on the road, you go to certain towns in Texas or the South or whatever, and you see how Christianity and religion is a big part of those cultures. Mm-hmm. And I think going to school out in Arizona, being a Jewish guy, and Seeing that, it kind of uh, you know opened my eyes to some things. And again, in sports, is sports is 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 a, is a I can say it's a Christian world, but it's there's not a lot of Jews. I in get sports. it. Yeah, and you absorb it like a matzo ball absorbs the chicken stock. You got it. Absorb Soup, it. Green blast. Flavor. Add the salt. My mom used to make it. Look I don't it. add the salt. Like you know, I like a good salty matzo. That's me. Salt. You salt substitute. Tell me about crystals. It's so weird that you say that because I. Uh, I was I've been googling about pyramids and like the power of pyramids and like why pharaohs like went uh-huh. into pyramids and uh-huh. stuff. Not just when they were dead, but they like people meditate inside of pyramids and then people put crystals on pyramids and people get pyramids made out of. It. And when I was in Sedona, I saw all that stuff. Yeah. My question to you about crystals is: you have crystals that like, okay, in my research, they were talking about people who sleep underneath pyramids. They put they hang pyramids on their ceiling. Yeah. Uh, and it's supposed to be good for them, make them require less sleep and yes. more energy. And then when I was reading the reviews, listen to what I'm saying. On when Amazon. I was reading the reviews. I wish they were on Amazon. When they were uh, reading the reviews, some people were complaining that the energy, yes, yes, push, magnetic mattress, <laughs> pyramid power, there's a reason. Uh, they actually couldn't sleep under the pyramids because they were getting too much of a, of a charge from it. Really? Yeah. So they were like, it's great. But I can't sleep under it. Do you have crystals or anything in your life that you're like, when I'm near this thing, I feel it? Well, I kind of do what the baseball guys do. What's that? They're a lot of magnets. There's a lot of... Is that uh, right? Yeah, they deal with magnets and energies. I mean, I would say magnets more so and titanium. In what way? You know, they wear them around their neck. They wear them around their wrists. It's kind of for energy. It's for blood flow. So I, I, I am kind of a believer in that, in that, uh, you know, the Far East, the Asian uh, way of life in terms of fish oil, magnets, hmm. uh, titanium. There's something about that. And, what are we doing with titanium? Well, they wear them around their necks. It helps with the blood flow, supposedly. I mean, it could be a placebo effect. But hmm. again, 
I'm still connected to that baseball world, so I get a, a, I'll, I'll do what the baseball guys are doing. you have a magnet on you right I now? I don't. A magnet list today. <laughs> today, I've gone magnetless. But, but when you wear a magnet, do you achieve the placebo effect, even if it is a placebo? I mean, you... I have been recently when I'm working out with kettlebells or doing a kind of baseball thing. I will put them on and, you know, again, it, it could be, be placebo, but right. I'm only doing what they're doing in Major League Baseball. So if I have access to what, they, what they're doing... They seem to be happy, and again, they a, 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 again could be placebo. Yep, we're all could be all that stuff. Yeah, but but it gives you a little pip. Yeah, I'm I'm open minded to that. I'm not like uh, skeptical. About I like everything. that. You're talking to a man who's Google pyramid power. There so you go. Don't worry about it. Yes, yes, pyramid power. Climb Mayans, Mexico, Egypt. You make the call. Well, I mean, why are these ancient people building these goddamn? There are a lot of weird theories about the pyramids. Anyway, look it up. Pyramid power. Uh, to end. Uh, I asked this to your good friend, Zach. Yes. Galifianak. And I'd, I'd like to clarify, you don't need a great story. I like asking people the hardest time they've laughed. And if you can't think of one, it's okay. Well, I had a great hard laugh the other day. <laughs> Ready. Actually. <laughs> um, I've been uh, texting and uh, communicating with an adult video actress. And she... <laughs> She is into uh, bondage and those kind of scenes. Yes. I met her on a podcast. Chemistry. You got it. Let me tie you up and light a fire under your feet. So she's into that kind of stuff. And then Joe Wagner found some pictures of her on Google. I mean, uh, I mean on these websites. It was just like, I mean, it's it's that kind of, you know, down on. She's involved in the, in the uh, dominate. Dominatrix yes. stuff, and some of these photos are just absurd. And Joe Wagner found a photo, and he just turned it. Around. I just could not stop laughing about. We've been talking about my girl, my girlfriend. So you're dating her? No, we're texting. Oh. We're texting, but I'm building her up as my girlfriend. And then he found these photos, and they're just so she eating dog food. What is happening? It's it's yeah, it's in that ballpark. I mean, a lot of in a cage, lit above fire. Um, you know, it's like a movie saw. If you into the movie, if you're into the movie Saw, you'd be into my check. If you jerk off to the movie Saw, <laughs> like exactly, that's great. That's fantastic. What a fun thing to share with your friend. Yeah, it's a good laugh. Everything that was a laugh. I mean, I laughed hard at that. Yeah. So I love it. Hopefully, I'll get more of those today when I hit the office. <laughs> well, all right, man. I, I mean, I, I we could talk. I feel like we could talk forever. Let me tell you why I told you I ate a banana in the Amazon because they said. Don't eat any of the food they offer you, the mm-hmm. Anamami Indians. But it's okay to eat a banana or something that has a thick skin. Okay. If they had orange, I would have eaten one. But they had orange, a vitamin C, soccer games. Yeah. Here's one you'll like. You got it. A quarter inch thick slice of watermelon has as much lycopene as, an, as a tomato. Really? I don't like tomatoes. I like watermelon. I'm going to make that shift. I put watermelon on my hamburger and dip fries in it. Is that true? No. But that would be instead of ca- instead of a tomato. Oh, that's great! I didn't even get it. I'm stupid. I'll take a watermelon burger. You got it. Watermelon. Seedless watermelon is fucking fantastic. Watermelon, medium well. Got to drink water. Got to eat it too. Drink, crush it. Let me make sure I don't have anything that I didn't want to say. Then pass spread. Yep, we got that. Improv. Cheering up about the pressure. Your way is the only way, is what your sister said. Kid acting out, self-esteem issues, mother, you're not a hugger. You're a hugger. Your parents aren't huggers. Positive energy. Jock, how dare you? Performance art. Steven, Brody Stevens. You got it, Pete Holmes. Would you say, every guest says keep it crispy at the end. 
You want me to say it? Yeah, if you would. Keep it crispy. Yes. Yes. Crunch <laughs> crispy. Keeping it crispy like a well done pizza. Stoffers. <laughs> Stoffers? Stoffers? Stoffers. Stoffers. Keeping it crispy. Yes. Yes. Push and believe. You got it. <laughs> Hashtag. Get, yes. <laughs> Get on base. Get on base. Don't strike out. Whoa. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks.